0: Hello, and welcome to Weekly Munga Recap. It's June... Hang on, what day is it? June 24th of 2020. (laughs) I usually am much less obvious about checking the date whenever we start the show, but this time my spit shield was in my way, so I had to look around it. Anyway, we're a professional. Uh It's a Weekly manga Recap time. Hi, I'm Nick. This is Chris. What's up? That's me. What's going on, Nick? What's new? Uh, Right now, of... Well, Chris, I don't know how to tell you this, but as a weekly podcast, there's a week between each show that we do, and um, this was a weirdly eventful week.
1: (laughs) For you specifically, or just the world? Just, well, not me specifically, more
0: just like the kind of interests that I have. (laughs) There was stuff that was happening like in video game circles, in wrestling circles, and as is... Universally good stuff, right? No. Oh, Oh, no. Well, well, in a way. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's been very odd to watch um, people in the world that I follow be revealed to be horrible monsters. But on the other hand, it's a good thing that uh, their victims feel... Like they can actually call them out on the horrible shit that they've done. So, yeah, um, but we're not going to we're not going to go <laughs> honestly, if we wanted to, we could literally to spend the next two and a half hours talking just about stories that have broke about wrestlers who were apparently sexual predators. Like it's ridiculous, like what happened in the course of about forty eight hours this past weekend. But anyway,
1: by the end, uh, b- by the time we had finished the podcast, though, four more accusations would have come out because yeah. it, it really has. It's really been like an a- like once an hour. You see it. it normally when you see a wrestler's name trending, you're just like, oh, What's going on with him? oh, is, like sometimes when it's during a wrestling event, it's because like, oh, they just aired in a segment and everybody's talking about them. And sometimes when it's not, it's like, oh, maybe it's like some news happened about them or, yeah. or something like that. Now, if you see the name trend, you're like. Oh no. oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. Something bad just happened. Oh, no. I liked them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're if you don't really follow wrestling, it probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you other than. Yeah. Some someone was an awful person um, and they've been outed. But uh, it's really weird if you kind of watch wrestling because it's like, oh, there's that person on that show that I watch. Now, every time I see them, I'm going to know the horrible things they did. <laughs> anyway. There are no heroes, kids. Don't don't. uh Yeah. Don't, don't idolize. act age.
1: <laughs> Speaking
0: of <laughs> actors, don't idolize actors. Actage.
1: Lights, cameras. Who gives a fuck? <sighs> it's that thing you do. Yeah, it's the little stinger. Everyone's got a little bumper, you know? My Hero
0: Academia is off this week. So, yeah, we're kicking things off with Actage. Um, So, there's the whole thing going on between Ren Tamaki and K. Uh-huh. And that's still going on as we open up this chapter. Scene 117 Steel. That's STE. E-A-L, not double E-L. So it's not the Shaq movie about the superhero steel. It's, you know, the the act of taking something that doesn't belong to you.
1: You know, it's so astonishing that we haven't been able to get like a really great steel representation anywhere based off what I know of the lore of that character feels like. You're like, oh, that's like a slam dunk character. Like in a perfect world, Nick. Zack Snyder wouldn't have been in charge of making Superman movies. And, like, after Superman 2, they could have been like, hey, we're going to put Steel in. Steel's going to be, like, you know, like, our fucking war machine. Or, you know, like, the hero you add after the first movie to help, like, flesh out the cast. Because you, you've kind of told a lot of the main character. So, I, I it's, you know, if you find a wormhole to that universe, can you show it to me? Because I'd like to think that it's better than this one.
0: Yeah, we did. They did the whole death of Superman thing and then didn't have steel come out of it, which seems like a crime, like like a punishable offense. I,
1: like, I, so. I If you asked me right now, if you put a gun to my head and told me, like, what movies are canon in the DCEU right now or the DCEU? I think, I think it that, that's it. DC yeah. Cinematic. Yeah. Something or- like that. Uh, or no, I think it's DC EU. Yeah, expand D- extended universe or expand whatever it is. If you ask me right now what movies are canon, I have no idea. I just saw Harley Quinn the other day. By the way, very good movie. I that might be uh, my favorite Earth DC movie. Yeah, there was really good uh, stunt work in that, and Margot Robbie's fantastic. I mean, she's 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 such a great actress. Um, but I, I as I watched that movie, I was like, so is. Is the first Suicide Squad cannon? What's going to happen when the second one comes out and a bunch of characters, Like, because she's in it too. Right. Is the Enchantress still? What happened? What happened to Killer Croc? Is he coming and back? Did, and uh,
0: Deadshot's going to look different, I guess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you could just put him in the mask. No one will know.
0: Oh, <laughs> all right. Um, movies. So they're at Kay's home, and Kay's making breakfast for for uh, for her siblings and for Kuriyama and uh, Mizuki. Uh, that's the assistant's name. Uh-huh. So I've learned. I've learned this.
1: All right, I, I believe you.
0: I, I definitely won't forget this again. <laughs> she goes away for a few chapters, then comes back. Oh, I like, hope I like...
1: That's... I hope she, she shows up again later in this chapter. I hope you want to be like the hang assistant on. person. Uh, hang on. Uh, <laughs> worker. Body person.
0: So, Kay's still upset after the conversation that she had with, uh, with Ren after the audition. And... Uh, so Kuriyama's asking her about like, hey, why are you in a bad mood? You passed the audition, right? And hey, you got the you got the role of the lead, but as a as a young girl, so that's good, right? And Kay's like, yeah, I get to play her as a young girl, and Kuriyama's like, oh yeah, Tamaki's involved, yeah, okay. And Kay's like wanting to clearly address the whole like, hey, you had that whole you were working with Ren before, and she was acting like she was more important to you. And like, we were supposed to be competing for you and stuff like that. But she doesn't say anything, but she clearly wants to bring it up. Um, but, uh, Kuriyama kind of like out of the blue, just starts talking about her. And then K starts going all Cinderay about it. Like, Oh, I don't really care, you know, because she's a child basically.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, um, but uh, yeah, he talks about like, all right, so there's this gonna be this you know big drama, Tamaki's got the lead role, and it seems like you know, she was just a kid a little while ago. And Kay very passive aggressively is like, Well, why don't you just make a movie with her instead of me? And was like, what are you talking about? Because it's a very weird thing to think, but this is a thought that has been inserted into her head after the conversation she had with Ren. And, uh, so Kay, you know, says like, I get what you, you know, want me to do. You want me to use this project as a chance to kind of attach myself to Tamaki so that I can bolster my own fame. And Kuriyama says, no, we're not going to do that. You are going to steal the show from her. It's true that you're only going to be in the first few episodes of this show. But on the other hand, you get to show up before she does. And you can actually win over the audience before she ever gets to be appear on screen. And then, when she's acting, then you can have influenced the audience to the point that they see you in her. So that's what you're going. Why want you to do? And Kay reiterates, "All right, I get it. So you want me to win over the audience in just the first few episodes?" And she so she gets very optimistic after that she sounds oh i like this idea i like this idea of doing this and she's immediately you know her switch is flipped and she instead of being all pouty and and passive aggressive she's like yay i'm going to i'm gonna go get that bitch so
1: (laughs) it's amusing so this reminds me a lot of uh the show boardwalk empire uh Which is a show I used to talk about a lot. It starts Steve Buscemi. It's an amazing show for the first three seasons. I don't know if I can give it the super big recommendation after that. But the first three are great. Uh, but in season four, they start doing a flashback with Steve Buscemi. Uh, and they have to have someone who plays him when he's like 20 years old or so. And that's a much more difficult task Yeah, 20-year-old Steve Buscemi. (laughs) Yeah, like, Steve Buscemi is a very iconic face, is the most gentle way to say that. Uh, And it was very surprising. They found someone who captured him in an unworldly way. It was unnerving how great this actor is. I just had to look him up ahead of this, because I was like, "I I wonder if that guy got more work. And I'm like... That guy looks nothing like Steve Buscemi now. That is a credible acting performance. But it is worth noting, I've been trying to follow Steve Buscemi the rest of his career. I have not looked to see where this guy had ever gone. So I don't know what that says for this for case chances here. Well, but
0: um, Steve Buscemi showed up before that guy, Chris. That's true. Ah, that's true. Same thing. Well, this girl's a big she's uh, a big actress right now. Well, oh, yeah, but did Steve Buscemi? They did the flashback after his character had been had been introduced, while played by Steve Buscemi. Is my point?
1: Yeah. All right. All right. All so right. it's it's it, so it's you know it's so it's so yeah. So we're gonna see if the start of it. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah. It's like if that actor had shown up first and then Steve Buscemi assumed that role. Yeah. Great show. Anyway. Okay. Four barf. Actage. So after they this goes on, um Kay goes on outside for a bit and um Um Yuki, not Mizuki, I <laughs> got her name wrong. Yuki is her name, not Mizuki.
1: What are you gonna do? <laughs> Look
0: I was like, it's Mizuki. I
1: learned this. And it's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> well, no, you learned a name. I it learned it's a just, name. It just wasn't her name. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm so awful. <laughs> All right. So I should have written this down before. God damn it. So Yuki talks with with, with Kay after this. And Kay realizes, like, I get it. That Ren Tamaki woman, she said that stuff just to provoke me. Well, I have to put that on my mind now. I'm an actor. If she wants a fight, I'm up for it. And Yuki's like, all right, fine. Um, so Kay says, um, I, I'm going to need your help on this. So we're going to, you know, before the first rehearsal, do some recon on the enemy. And so we get a bit of basic info about Ren, just kind of a profile of who she is. It turns out she's like the most popular celebrity in all of Japan,
1: Uh which
0: seems like a detail that we could have been given last chapter, the chapter before. I don't know. So... Because, like, I mean, she showed up at that audition and nobody went. Like, that's Rentamaki, the most popular woman in all of
1: Japan. <laughs> number one celebrity. She is. Yeah, yeah it,
0: number one celebrity. It's like if I don't know who's the most popular person in the U.S. right now. I don't even know. Like, <laughs> hmm,
1: this is a good question. Let's see how much our fingers on the pulse of the world. Who is the most popular in entertainment? Obviously. Who's the most popular person? Because about three or four years ago, I would have said Robert Downey Jr. I would go out on a limb now. I'd say it might be Taylor Swift. Strong...
0: You could definitely make uh, make a strong argument in favor of that.
1: Because I'm not sure. Yeah. It would be like that or like Leonardo DiCaprio, where you're just like somebody you're like, oh, everybody's heard of this. Or Tom Hanks. Like, everybody's heard of this person. And so, Taylor Swift is more
0: in the current. like the Zeitgeist, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But, like, yeah. Imagine if Taylor Swift had shown up at an odd t
1: whistle Is she
0: here? Just, just like. It, no one would have like looked at her like, "Who's that?" or anything <laughs> like. That. It's like, oh no, I forget. She was wearing her disguise baseball cap.
1: <laughs> at Marvel movie showed us if you wear a baseball cap at sunglasses, right. no one can see who you are.
0: So, um, in addition to just you know having won lots of awards and all of that stuff, we also learned that she, you know, she is a classic celebrity, but also known as being approachable. So, you know. And I do actually appreciate this little detail they throw in, like she goes through a lot of lovers, but the news never hurts her popularity, which if you don't know anything about like the celebrity culture in Japan, a female celebrity like having having that kind of behavior, that's actually a very strong indicator of her star power that like nobody actually cares about it. So just like um, T-Swizzle,
1: you know, she goes through a lot of relationships, but that just makes her stronger. I mean, yeah, there was a
0: point where, what, what was it, Tay-Tay or what the hell? Tay-Tay,
1: T-Swizzle, whatever you want to call her. She's got a million nicknames, all of them great.
0: There was that phase where people were like, she always talks about the guys that she goes through. Now it's like, nobody cares. So.
1: <laughs> and everyone's like, why does bad blood smell like shit? I hate it. <laughs> well, that's just me, basically.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's more than just you.
1: So, <laughs>
0: um, anyway she often goes out drinking with people. And so we see her uh, hang out in a bar with a bunch of mostly naked men. And she is... Playing strip rock, paper, scissors with all these guys. As you do.
1: As you do. I, I can't <laughs> tell you how many nights I've wasted at the local uh, dive bar playing strip rock, paper, scissors with a what seems to be 90% dude audience. It's, it's just the way I like to spend my Friday's.
0: Also, apparently their clothes have evaporated because they are all like half naked, and I don't see any piles of clothes anywhere.
1: Oh no, this is this is strip rock, paper, scissors for keeps. We burn your clothes afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she eats their clothes after she wins
0: them. (laughs) Like an ogre. So she just says, you know, because like everyone's like, oh my god, how does Ren always win? And she's just like, I told you, I've never lost at rock, paper, scissors. Which I'm sure is never going to come up again. Uh, so she's about to get this this guy's boxers off in in a, in a last game of rock paper scissors when oh yeah, Kay and Yuki show up, and so Ren's like, "What are you doing here? Uh, do you, yeah we're, I'm playing strip rock paper scissors with all these hot young guys. Do you want to play or or drink or something?" And uh, so you know, someone's like, "Hey, we were we were going to have our battle finish," and she's like. I'm not going to have you keep stripping in front of a kid. Fair enough. And then Kay gets all defensive and she's like, I'm not a kid. You can get your dick out in front of me, which I understand that she's doing the whole Like I am not too young for this. You know, don't, don't you know stop this on my behalf. But it is also really weird. The exact activity, because if it weren't Kay, I would be like, is she just like thirsty all of a sudden? <laughs> I don't think anyone would be thirsty if they're just like, "No, take your boxers off." So, but uh I don't know exactly how they transition from that to no. at the bar quietly talking. <laughs> like <But> all, they- <laughs>
1: all, like all the dudes who are there who are just like half naked right now are just like, all right, well, back to my- hey, bartender, around for the table. We're just gonna go back to having a conversation now that apparently our uh, revolt game of." strip rock paper scissors is over
0: what we don't see is that after she's won the boxers off of them they like disintegrate and she absorbs their essence into herself uh-huh. that's how the strip rock paper scissors game ends
1: she, she snaps her fingers and they all turn into shadows and mist and fade away and were they really ever there <laughs> <before>?
0: <laughs> or did, were they just part of her <laughs> collective of minions
1: or is her acting so good she made you think that they were there Maybe she was like Mysterio and everyone in the bar was like, Oh, that's so awesome. That's so I mean it's not it's kind of weird that their plan was like, alright, so what are we doing to nonchalantly draw attention? So how do we get the how do we get the glasses from Kay? Well, you and I will be playing strip rock paper scissors. We're gonna start
0: by taking each other's clothes off. I don't I don't think that's gonna be how we're gonna subtly do this. Mr. Maki, how do the elementals come into this
1: plan? Look, <laughs> <laughs> look, they were all time for it. Take your pants off. <laughs> all right. So.
0: Um, so K says to has said to her, like, yeah, so I'm trying to learn about you because I'm going to play you as a girl. So I thought that I should just know you better. And Ren just immediately is like. You're actually really naive. I'm kind of disappointed. You know, I know you're trying to play a cool doll, but I mean, you know that we're playing an actual actor, right? Manami Yakushiji. And somehow Yuki had not thought of this. Uh, No, no, she's useless, I guess. So (laughs) that's she's her name's not worth remembering, Chris. (laughs) I'm worth it. Uh, so Ren points this out and Kay is, you know, stunned into silence. And uh, she's like, I mean, I, it's really weird that you're, you're researching me before you're researching the person that we're actually supposed to be portraying. Uh, and then she's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, I really got into your skin the other day, didn't I? Yeah, you wouldn't normally have done this, but I got into your skin. Oh, well, sorry about that. Anyway. Oh, there's also a girl who's going to be playing her at age eight in the first episode. Right. So I assume that you're going to meet with her, too. And Kay's just really quiet. She's like, oh, are you not interested in the child actor who's gonna appear in one episode? Oh, I get it. You'd normally never overlook such a thing. Sorry, I'm being mean again. So she's so she's so it's kind of infuriating, honestly, because like it's just the right level of I guess microaggressions, basically, because she's queer like you no. Know, poking her like an older sibling would do basically Mm -hmm. and then but she's pulling back at just the right amount so that she's she can't be called out on it basically yeah so so we cut away suddenly as someone is approaching a car and it's driven it's being driven by Smith the one assistant who was with Arisa that one time that she showed up randomly at Kay's place and so someone greets Smith (laughs) And Smith is like, (laughs) my name is Shimizu, not Smith. (laughs) And the person's like, Smith is cooler. It's cooler if we pretend you're a foreign manager. And Shimizu's like, now even the CEO calls me Smith. Well, that explains that, I guess, because he was called that before, too. Anyway, uh, we do have a a brief little moment because it turns out that he is with... uh, What's her fucking face? Sumo? (laughs) Yep, that's her name. (laughs) Sumo me something close to that. It's the little girl that was with Kay that that there were, they were playing sisters in that one commercial. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she's going to be the one who's playing this role that uh, Kay and Ren are, but as an eight year old girl, there is a brief moment before that is revealed where she talks about how apparently her mother wasn't showing up uh, for anything. And there's like a brief little moment where you kind of see like she's this clearly bothers her more than she's letting on. But anyway, that's the thing. We we now know that there are these three women who are going to be all be involved in this Taiga drama all playing the same woman. So uh, it's a different kind of dynamic than we have seen in actors before. The, uh, the previous arc kind of was a bit of a setup for this in a way because both Chioko and Kei were playing the same role, but they were playing different versions of the same character. And now they're all kind of in a line as opposed to playing... Uh, parallels or opposites.
1: I mean, it's good that we're gonna bring the little girl back, so it doesn't feel like that was kind of like a weird detour to introduce a character for like three chapters where she really didn't play much of a role. But I can't say I'm like excited to have her in the story. She was not a particularly fun character, at least in my interpretation. She was just kind of there. Well, She was kind of a brat. (laughs) Eh, we shall see. This is sort of a weird chapter. I'm not really sure how I felt it, about it. Well,
0: cuz there I mean uh, if you take out the whole like, yeah, so okay. Ren just like goes goes around challenging people to strip rock paper scissors. It's like It's a right. it's
1: a very weird chapter for Ren cuz in the it's the chapter where you're like, "Hey, this character is kind of a rogue." Okay. Anyway, she's the most popular actress in Japan and uh but she's also an actress of the people, so she, just like the common man does, goes down to bars and plays strip rock, paper, scissors with them. And you're like, that's a lot of characterization for Ren. I did not think we were going towards, but all right.
0: Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone, you know, thinks of Andrew Jackson as the president that you could play strip rock, paper, scissors <laughs> with, and that's why he won that election. <laughs> yeah. It's not wrong. All right, guys. So we're going to be trying to do something a bit different uh, with the order of series uh, now. So um, just so you know, I mean, things are going to be, you know, the same for the first little bit here. But then they're going to be flipped around. Uh, so don't be surprised. Yeah. Or be very surprised. I don't know. Be stunned. Boruto, number 47, Predestined Fate. So this was confusing. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: It's actually kind of simple when it gets down to it. But the lore of Naruto says this shouldn't work. So I don't know. So this chapter has
0: a lot of the same problems that the previous chapter did. It's not as bad uh, in terms of they're just having this conversation while the fight is going on and they're not really paying as much attention at any given moment as they should be. Uh, So the fight between Kashi and Koji and it starts as Jigen and then it eventually just becomes Itsuki. Uh I think I got that all right. Uh, continues in this. Kashin Koji had summoned flames from a mountain somewhere, which means that karma couldn't absorb them because they weren't chakra-originated flames. So instead, Jigen uses his jutsu, which allows him to shrink stuff, and he tries to shrink the fire. But he can't shrink all of it because he's low on energy from the previous fight that he was involved in. So he's running out of energy. And then he starts to burn the fuck to death, and so everyone who was talking with Amato is like, "Huh? Well, you said that we were going to see the way that to kill a but um, what is that it?" And Naruto's like, "Oh, is this it? Is this how you kill Nozomu?" And Sasuke like suddenly flashes back to being twelve again. And he's like, "You're such a, an idiot, Naruto." He, he...
1: <laughs> <laughs> what a weird move to make too. You have like. Five children in this room, you couldn't have one of them say the stupid idea of, like, I guess he's done, instead of, like, the wise super ninja that is Naruto just being like, I guess that problem solved, huh? And everyone's like, no, you idiot, it's never solved this easily.
0: <laughs> uh, and Sasuke just points out, like, yeah, so even if you kill him here, he'll just resurrect, because that's the way the Otsutsuki work. So he's got Jigen and he's got Kawaki as his vessels implanted with karma, so he could come back to life twice, right? And Amada's like, "Yeah, you're absolutely—you've got—you've basically got it. You're so smart, Sasuke. Naruto's so dumb." <laughs> um, and so Sasuke, you know, brings up the obvious point of like, so if Ishiki reincarnates, then he could reincarnate in Jigen or he could reincarnate in Kawaki, and that'd be bad but if Jigen were to die taking Ishiki with him then Kawaki would be the sole remaining vessel and that would be good for Ishiki so why are you doing this and at that moment Kawaki comes out from the you know viewing room and comes into the interrogation room and he starts to attack uh, Amado because he's pissed off at him because it seems like wait a minute so this, was this so that you could you know put have that guy possess my freaking body but Sasuke stops him. He just slashes through the extensions from his arm with his sword as soon as he does it. And Kawaki's like, Ow! Because he got his arm cut off, basically. His arm's fine, but I guess it's like he got his arm cut off in terms yeah. of sensation. So, Amato's an asshole to him for a bit. Uh, and then he says, Alright, so, Jigen's probably gonna just die for a second uh but when notice otsutsuki dies the transfer into one's vessel begins automatically even Ishiki shiki cannot control it it's a strict karma rule which is a really weird phrase uh and but then he goes on to explain jigen's karma has enough time to have completed extracting jigen is fully ready to be used as the vessel of a shiki kawaki has not finished the process. Like with Boruto, his otsusuki <laughs> uh-huh. is in progress but is not finished, so he's not ready to be a vessel yet. So as a result of that, because they're killing Ishiki now, he has to go into Jigen. So um, now they don't know what's going to happen. Because they were never sure exactly how this was going to work. Ishiki. Fully and fully possessing Jigen's body. So it's still Jigen, but it's not. But it was never him anyway. (laughs) He comes out of the flames now. He's Ishiki and stuff. Meanwhile, Kawaki's arm throbs. The karma appears and then suddenly disappears all at once. And it's like, oh, it's just gone. Cool. Um, and that's when Ishiki emerges. And so Amado's like, yeah, so it turns out when when reincarnation is complete, all of the other karmas and all the other vessels are simultaneously erased, no matter how many vessels exist.
1: Why? Why would it do that? Why? Because <laughs> like, they make a big deal, like, well, he has two bodies left. And it's like, no, I guess it's just one, because if you revives with any of them, they all get erased. I mean, oh. I, I guess their logic's like, oh, well, that way you don't make duplicates in other bodies, so there's some logic to it, but it is, like, an odd
0: little detail. Yeah. So, I I don't know. It, it seems like a design flaw, basically. Yeah. <laughs> what? And if they're correct about how Ashiki doesn't have full control of the process, what if he had two fully prepared vessels and then didn't get to control which of them he popped up in? Maybe. It's weird. Anyway, we go back to the fight. Kashin Koji. um, There's like things floating around him now. And um, his his frog, his spy frog thing gets banished. So they can't view the fight anymore. And so Amato's like, Kashin Goji has served his function. And so Naruto's like, you mean that he's going to die now? And Amato's like, well, it was never part of the plan for him to survive. We wouldn't be jumping through the hoops like this if Ishiki were someone who could be easily defeated. And Naruto's like, I kind of get the feeling that you didn't let Kashin Goji know this part of the plan. (laughs) And Amato's like, why do you care? And Naruto says, well, I don't know. I don't actually know why I'm so concerned about him, but I am. Um, Koji observes that Ishiki is just randomly shrinking everything around him, everything that he lays eyes on, including his mask, which starts to shrink on his face and then crack, because that's how this would work. And Ishiki's like, All genes, all people have a predestined fate. That man... "'Bore a mighty fate, a star of change, and Kashinkoji's mask falls off. "'Now I understand. Amato had wanted to cling to it, to that man's mighty fate, "'to the minuscule possibility of change. "'Kashinkoji, clone of Jiraiya of the Great Tree, you shall die here.'" That was also predestined by your genes. And oh, Kashin Koji's mask has come off and we get a look at his face and he doesn't really look like Jiraiya at all because he's got a beard.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: and his hair is all different. I was going to say, if you had taken away that's, that bubble, I would not have been like, ah, that's, that That looks like Jiraiya. That's his clone. Definitely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now that the mask is gone, he looks just like Jiraiya with the... um. Oh, I get it. So the reason the mask shrank on him was so that he would have eye marks that were like Jiraiya's. I get uh, it now.
1: Uh, so was, this is weird. Um, I guess it's kind of cool, but it has been like a big thing in Naruto that Jiraiya's body was lost like completely. That's why he didn't show up at all during the Great Ninja War or anything like that. So I guess you could theoretically say and he had, like, a hat somewhere, and they got his hat, and maybe there was some DNA on the hat, and they cloned him I off the know. hat.
0: I don't know. Chris, given the joke, the jokes about Jiraiya in-universe, I don't want to know where his DNA came from, okay? You,
1: you know what? That's a fair thing, too. We're going to start seeing him trend on Twitter uh, next time. Um, I guess I'm excited. I guess it's, like, uh, cool. Like There have been hints for a very long time that there was something... Interesting about Kashin Koji, you know, how he was able to sneak into Konoha without any alarms going off, that sort of thing. Like, it's interesting to see it. Um, I just, this this is literally like a weird chapter. It it, This felt like a very unspectacular way to have potentially dealt with Kawaki's karma forever. Like, it's just gone now. I guess maybe it can come back or you can get like forced into karma again but i mean it didn't feel like a particularly cool way of getting rid of it that's the case and then it's possible that they're just wrong i guess yeah
0: and that the seed of karma is still within him and it was just reacting to the resurrection by simply seemingly going away but yeah it's a weird thing to go like yeah his karma's gone (laughs) <laughs>
1: saying, all right <laughs> that was kind of like the big deal about this character i mean i don't know uh yeah i guess this is kind of like one of those boruto chapters where i'm just like all right and you kind of shrug i also i, I feel like i have an allergic reaction to stupid eyeball designs and ashiki has one of the dumbest in nar in boruto my so, eye looks like a mouth yeah I, I, it's it's very, very stupid, but hey, you know what? maybe this will end up being really cool.
0: Maybe next chapter Ishiki will say, like, let me explain this Utsusiki eyeball is something that my cl- only my clan can have when
1: we are very, very <laughs> upset about a family <laughs> member dying, <laughs> and then it turns us evil. I was a good guy before all this. All right. All
0: right. So, Jigen, who was never really Jigen, is now Shiki proper, I guess. Anyway, moving on.
1: Let's talk about Eden Zero, Nick, Chapter Ninety Nine, the Pendant. So, Chris,
0: you know something I never get
1: sick of—that's that
0: Eden Zero's very poor explanations of its different timelines.
1: <laughs> yep. Well, remember, as we established last week, Shiki used gravity to pull memories from the other timeline into this one. That is a canon thing that's happened. It's very relevant to this chapter in multiple locations. All right. So Draco Joe was defeated, uh, and he stops being a monster thing because the monster parts got punched off of him. Uh, But now (laughs) he's dying. So he starts shriveling up into an old man. And because...
0: Weiss, Life's getting drained out of him, yeah. Yeah,
1: so because Weiss was here for a reason, he stands up, he takes his gun, and he's like, Oh, he's the man who killed my, me mom! Me mom! Killed me mom! I'm gonna kill him! And, and she, Cheeky's like, Hey, Weiss! You're my friend, so don't kill Steel! Yeah, so he is like, Hey, don't do it. He can't move. It would be cruel to shoot him in the face. I don't alright he has this whole thing but he is also saying like hey could you really be friends with someone who took the life of someone you love and Ziggy's like I don't know might take some time but if somebody reaches out I think it's possible to be friends with anybody and we literally see Draken and Joe is like reaching out like Dwice <laughs> uh, uh, uh. has a moment of hesitation and then Draken and Joe just like fucking like he, he just got too excited he pops all to her he's like give me your life I want your life <laughs> Wise is like "Ah."
0: So he's gonna as shoot. Him. Weird as as weird as Shiki's whole thing is, and as eye rolling as his constant friendship shtick is, this was actually legit the best part of the chapter. That he's like, oh my god, he's reaching
1: out. He's like, let me have your life. <laughs> give, give me, give me, give me, give me. <laughs> Uh, Wise shoots the ground next to Drack and Joe. He can't kill him. And, uh, and Joe's eyes dilate, like, go to the opposite sides of the screen and his hand reach out, and he's like, <laughs> like, he's a crazy old dithering man at this point. Uh, but Wise asks, he throws the gun, and he's like, oh, what can I kill him? What can I do? And Sabir says, it's because you know how precious life really is. So... Uh there's a big celebration. Amira's like, "Wow, they took this guy down. A bunch of characters introduced themselves to each other. Does't matter. Shaky has a moment where he remembers the other world where he died and how Rebecca was crying about him. So she's like, "What's wrong?" And he says, "I'll never make my friends crying in ever by dying." And fairy tale or Eden Zero does so I want to just note something. Hero's really, really bad at this part. Like what, what part ends. Like the 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 happy everybody's like really satisfied that this thing is has come to a conclusion ending because like there the, should
0: be like a big two-page spread where the sun rises while everyone's gathering together again, kind of thing. N-
1: no, it's just so Shiki does his thing, I'll never make my friends cry again. And then we cut to all the characters saying something. Except a lot of them are very pointless. And then Rebecca just turns her head slightly and her eyes soften and she says, we did it. We won. And it's so lifeless and boring. That's the conclusion of this arc, by the way. Like everything else in this chapter is the fallout of it. It's like, that's a terrible note to leave like this arc off on. But hey, whatever. Whatever. Uh, she can grab memories from the, the timeline using of gravity. Yeah. So, a, I mean, because like Rebecca was the would
0: have been the most invested in this whole thing because she legit saw the worst timeline where all of her friends were captured and some were murdered. Yeah. And yeah, she doesn't seem all that relieved. Honestly, well, she's like,
1: "Yep, I, we I, did it. I feel like if I go back through Hero's works, this is a relatively common thing where. The female lead will soften their eyes and say, Wow, what a great job, everybody. And it feels like they, they it's a well that hero goes back to a lot and it, it never leaves a, a mark. So I don't know. Anyways, back on the Eden Zero, they they just talk about some of the fallout. Drakken Joe was actually taken into custody, so potentially he can show up again later as a friend, who knows? Um Amira took him into custody, so she's probably going to get a very big promotion. They talk about how uh, the Boreal, the Belial gore is going to continue to operate and everything like that. There's a whole bunch of stuff about Sabir. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, the big point, Sabir gives Weiss his pendant back, and Weiss is like, you stole it from me! Uh, And Sabir's like, no, you gave it to me. Someone in the gang took it, and I tried to give it back to you, but you said you wouldn't take it because it was a reminder of when you didn't trust a friend. So you wanted me to take it until a day came where you could finally forgive yourself. And basically, that's what happens. Uh, To be your kind of notes, like, hey, it was really actually kind of lonely after you left. So I was jealous of your new life, and I'm proud to call you my friend. So... They have a little touching moment there, and then Wise gets his pendant and he's on the ship on Eden Zero and says he's just staring at it as he thinks back to but you've been blessed with some good friends.
0: I get the impression that this is like a timeline divergence. So
1: Uh Well, this is uh, this is the Weiss This is a Sabir from old Weiss's timeline. Right. But this is something that the two of them sure would have shared a commonality for. So in that way, it's basically the same thing. Um, Sorry, uh, there's a bunch of stupid shit. Uh, Jin's on the ship. Who cares? Uh, basically, the end of the so's chapter. The, the bill, yeah. yeah. So the end of the chapter is everyone basically saying like, wow, it really everybody came together. It was great, great teamwork. We all played our part. And then Rebecca's like, you say we all did, but Connor didn't really do anything. I'm amazed he didn't turn up in all this. And I was like, yeah, I guess it's kind of weird. Uh, but then Pino and Happy are like, oh, I'm sorry, who's who's Connor? They're like, you know, the captain. The guy who says, call me captain, please. And Cheeky says, I don't know who you're talking about. What? Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: actually... Uh- Interesting it's little interesting. twist. I mean, obviously, it's an it's an alternate t- timeline. Obviously, but I mean, yeah, he had shown up like right before they set off for the planet. But then, when Rebecca sh- uh, woke up, he had already been on the ship mm-hmm. um, at that point. So
1: it's and, a, it's a, and we did see him, albeit very briefly. We did see him during that other timeline. He does get like stopped by the other the the members of the. I don't know, whatever the fucking group was before the Element 4. When they revive on the ship, they do, like, hold him up at gunpoint at one point.
0: So, it's interesting. And uh, he was, you know, this kind of mysterious figure uh, being hinted at. So, Mm -hmm. I do appreciate the actually building the intrigue. Um, Eden Zero is good for doing that occasionally. It just seems to never properly follow through on the intrigue it builds up. Yeah. So... I mean, like, there was some interesting stuff going on with, you know, Rebecca's whole jumping time thing. And then it just got really confusing. Not even confusing. It was not properly explained, basically, (laughs) at any
1: point. And it just didn't kind of get, like, a great end either. Like, it started off like, this is Rebecca's arc. And then it was kind of like, all right, now we're going to focus on the four shining stars. And then when it comes time for the big catharsis against Draken and Joe, it's like, all right, it's actually now about Shiki. <laughs> yeah. Now it's about Shiki and wise. And you're like, all right, kind of jumped all over the place in a way. It's good because every character is going to get some level of focus. Even Connor, the character who literally got none, it's intentional that he didn't get any, mm-hmm. but it was sort of an odd transition. I mean, it's it's weird because Eden Zero literally is not even a hundred chapters old, and we've already had like four major arcs. But I, I no, mean, yeah, anime? <laughs> yeah, I was like, but I mean, it, it's interesting, I guess, to see maybe when we get towards the end of Eden Zero, how this arc fares in comparison to everything else. It had I some guess. pretty crazy moments in it.
0: The big takeaway from this chapter weiss spells his name w-i-s-e as opposed to the word for white weiss
1: yeah so i guess i don't know maybe we've been saying it wrong and it's been translated wrong who knows um so this is one of the points that we were talking about before where we've we've had some changes in the lineup so uh in the interest of flow we're moving something closer towards the start of this uh this recap nick yep So let's get going on Chainsaw Man.
0: Chapter 74, What the Waves Say. So, nothing important happened in this chapter. Nope, all
1: right, let's start talking about ninja boobs. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) Yeah, you had to sit there like, Oh, the longer we talk about Chainsaw Man, the longer we delay Akiyashi Triangle.
0: Maybe if we can get Ayakashi Triangle to make a deal with the devil. (laughs) So Aki has gone to see the angel devil in the uh, in the hospital where he's still recovering from, you know, not having arms. Uh, And he tells him what the future devil had told him about so the angel that was like all right well what do you want me to do about it are you asking me to stop it from happening when i don't have hands (laughs) that's gonna be like his excuse for not doing anything from now until the end of time it's like oh what do you want me to do about it i don't have any hands
1: (laughs) could you stand lookout what me with no hands he's like yeah that that's still fine you could you could look out for things without hands fuck you fuck you
0: Hey, can you give me some input? What you, which, which tie do you think goes with this outfit better, red or blue? What, you want me to make that decision without hands?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Something I could only tie. I couldn't tie a tie without hands, so I don't really have an opinion on ties anymore. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Oh, so
0: Aki is actually here to talk with the angel devil about what will happen after his death. And he's like, so uh, listen, you know, a public safety devil hunter who's lost both arms, you're going to be pushed into retirement. But as a devil... You might be put down. If that comes, give them this envelope. It can't hurt to try. And the angel devil is like, how am I supposed to give it to them without hands? <laughs> but he's actually like, well, what? what is it? And Aki explains, well, this is a letter of recommendation. It's from me and it's from Kishube. And, it, you know, with this, you know, you might be able to stay alive if you make a contract with public safety, you know, like the fox does, and like the future devil does. And uh, the angel devil's kind of gets kind of sarcastic for a bit. And uh, he says, like, you know, my nurse tells me that you're like the number one devil hunter among the public safety. But you're much different from what the rumors say. And so Aki doesn't really say anything in response to that. He just says, I'm going to go see the gun devil tomorrow. I might never see you again. Bye. (laughs) I mean, I think that that's. I think that I'm awkward at goodbyes sometimes, but man, hockey, you're really awkward. Well I might go die now. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye forever. But the angel devil uh, decides that he wants to come with, uh, he's, you know, he says, look, the humans, my power killed and turned into weapons show up in my dreams sometimes. And they blame me for doing it. So if I just let you die, I have a feeling you're going to haunt me too. So I'm going to try and help you to stay alive. So he says, let's bring this to Makima together because she might know a way to avoid your death. So we cut ahead and the two of them are walking along a beach and, you know, angel devil's like, give me water. I can't, I don't have hands. So I can't drink water, that kind of thing. Uh, and Akiwon wonders aloud. Like what the hell is Makima doing over here? Uh, and, angel doe says I do know one way you won't be killed by the chainsaw devil aki's uh, like what you should quit public safety and just run away I mean if the chainsaw devil comes after you all you got to do is just run away if you I mean you have you can get away if you just run and they just kind of talk back and forth for a bit aki doesn't seem to really be taking him seriously for a bit but the angel doe says listen you're not like me you know you could just live like a normal human being I'm stuck in this position, but Aki isn't willing to do that because of Denji and power. And he says, and Makima too. And Angel was like, Oh, you like her, huh? And Aki's like, yeah, basically, but why'd you fall for her? And Aki goes, why? But before he can really answer, he looks and sees Makima waving to them on the beach. And then he thinks to himself, why did I fall for her? But well, they start talking uh, with Makima, and uh, Makima says, "You know, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be long now." And Aki says, "What for us?" And she says, "No, not for you. Why are you two here?" And Aki starts to explain about the future devil, and they and, and gives the whole explanation presumably. And he says, "Listen, whatever happens, I want Denji and Power to survive and be happy." Look, my brother's death was my fault. And I want the strength to change things this time. I'll make a contract with any devil. Any contract. So please help me. And he's even tearing up about. Because this means so much to him. So Makima says. In that case. Will you make a contract. With me. If you give me all of you. I'll give you strength. And Aki's. Of course, like, what are you talking about? But hi, but Makima says, Hayakawa, this is an order. Say you'll make a contract. <sighs> so we get a flashback suddenly from the angel devil's perspective to when he was found by some people out in the sticks somewhere, seemingly on an island somewhere, judging by the... Uh, They've got, you know, boats along the beach and and huts and stuff. And, uh, you know, he says to himself, I remember this place, the place where I first was, the person who taught me to speak, the person who built me a house, the person who taught me to dive into the sea, the faces of all the people who were kind to me and the one I loved, the one who loved me. Why had I forgotten? I could never forget what Makima did to me. And we see makima approaching the angel devil wise sits alone on the beach and she greets him and she says show me your power and angel devil's like well my power brings death and makima says show me your power that's an order and the angel devil kind of blacks out seemingly until night falls And when he regains himself, he's like, why is it nighttime? And Makima just says to him, you have a good power. And he looks around and all of the people that he loved and cared about and lived with are surrounding him and are dead. And he's holding his lover's wrist in his hand still. And then we come back to the present where Makima has just given Aki an order and he says... I'll make a contract, while well, the angel devil looks at him in shock. So,
1: <laughs> All right, ninja. To- no, uh, so this is a crazy chapter. Uh, it's so well done. It, the, the little touches throughout the backstory. It's just the moment of the two-panel transition of the angel devil being like, "What? That's an order." And then it's dark. You're like, what? Why is it nighttime? And you're like. Oh, because you've been murdering people all day, all day long. <laughs> it's it's brutal, um, and it's it's man, it's really good. It, now we obviously have a bit more of an idea that, I mean, it, it was never really in question for a while, but Makima's outright a bad person now, and I mean, you had to be curious what she's the devil of, basically.
0: Yeah. Because it does definitely seem that she's a devil if she's telling someone to make a contract with her like that presumably she has made contracts with other devils because she seems to have powers beyond just a simple concept like the one that has been expressed in this chapter but if she's outright saying make a contract with me give me something and I'll give you something in return then she would have to be a devil by the way that we know that the series works um and yeah, I think that this, you know, kind of erases any and all doubt that there might have been that Machima is just evil, because yeah. anything prior to this, you could say, like, okay. She's manipulating people in order to get powers on her side so that she can win this war against, you know, all these evil entities. In this case, she was like, I want to find out what you can do. Kill everyone you love for no reason.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there was a period of time where you could rationalize her actions being like, well, it's for the good of Japan and this, you know, kind of global arms race. Quite literally to a certain extent, as we just found out. Um, But. Now you have to wonder if she's just playing that role as part of this creepy devil that she probably is. Because you also have to wonder, like, what devil is she? My like, my first thought would be something like an order devil or like an authority devil. Because like, it seems like if she tells you to do something, you just have to follow it. but. Yeah. I There's mean,
0: been a few th- theories being thrown around in our Discord server. Maybe she's like the devil of love because uh, you know all these people that are uh, that are under her thrall are in love with her. But it could just be like domination or authority because she gives an order and you have to follow it. So yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Also, though, because. She seems to prefer manipulating people into getting what she wants. She could just order them to do what she wants. But, you know, she's got stuff like with Denji. So I don't know.
1: It looks like, I guess, maybe her powers don't work forever. Because the angel devil seems to know that this is... Like, seems to remember kind of what happened. There's probably like a limit to it. And you're like, if you just start ordering people immediately it's not good for trying to create like a long-term sort of plan.
0: Yeah. Or it could just be a matter of like people have pop talk, People in the series have talked about how special the chainsaw devil is. So maybe something in that nature would prevent her from being able to just use her ability on Denji. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we'll learn more, but this was definitely a big chapter. Uh, and we've had a, a few of those recently exploring, you know, what the hell's going on with Makima. And everything that we've been seeing recently has really kind of been building up how powerful she is and how fucking evil she is. So this is a big thing. So,
1: yep. All right. Moving on from <laughs> You start off so excited. You're like, wait a minute. I know what we're talking about.
0: <laughs> All right. Akashi Asha- Triangle. Um, so the first thing that happens in this chapter is we see Matsumi's boobs. (laughs) It's just, I, literally from the day that we learned that Kentaro Yabuki was going to be making his return to jump, I was like, well, I bet I know what kind of series this is going to be. And then we saw that first chapter and literally the fucking, the fucking moment that the shiro bako, I think it was, it was just like gender reversal technique. I was like, oh, but, and then there were the little hints from the last chapter of like, I'm pretty sure I know what they're going to be doing th- with this. And then page one, as after you get past the opening c- you know, color page, it's just like, yep, there he is looking at his rack. It's just like, God
1: fucking hell. Come on. <laughs> And it's not surprising either. You know, you're just like, yeah, no. There there I I'm curious if there's ever been a story about a boy turning into a girl. Obviously not in like a a, a trans story explanation, but a boy like the the, the the curse or whatever has been placed on you and now you're a girl that doesn't involve them immediately touching their boobs. I just watched the the newest Jumanji and there's a moment where one of the male characters gets Karen Gillian's body and they didn't say it for a moment. I was like, oh, we finally, are we finally going to do one of these? And then they had to make a joke at one point where he's like, no, I already touched those boobs a long time ago. We passed that. I was like, all right, I guess at least they're not dwelling in the moment of it. But it is one of those things like, yeah, we it's a checklist. If you're going to do this type of story, guys got to feel the boobs. It's just it's, you got to do that.
0: So we get a bit of a recap of what the fuck happened last time. And uh, Matsuri says to uh, Suzu, like, oh, I've got to, you know, keep a close eye on you because, you know, we have to be vigilant against all Ayakashi. So I'm going to be your bodyguard. Basically, I'm going to, you know, keep keep a close eye on you, basically. Um, but they get on the bus for school and Matsumi, Matsu, Matsumi Matsuri Matsumi, Matsuri Matsuri Matsuri. That's his name. Uh, goes like three rows back from where Suzu's sitting and sits behind her instead of sitting next to her because you can't do that, you know? Uh-huh. So we get a flashback from Suzu's perspective about Matsuri being like, you should hang out with the girls in your class, not hang out with me. And she's like, why did that distance grow between us? Just because he turned into a girl doesn't mean we can get all chummy again, right? I guess. Anyway, they're in the same class and then we we meet Suzu's <sighs> deep and complex <laughs> friends. <laughs> A girl who gropes her thighs and confirms that that's the fetish that Suzu fulfills in this series. Them thighs. her And her somehow even weirder friend, Lou, who just Takes pictures of things and says, Your th- blank is postworthy. In this case, your voluptuousness is postworthy. This is how Gen Z talks, right, guys? So, anyway, Matsuri detects the presence of an Ayakashi nearby, goes and finds Shirogane hanging around the school somewhere. And, and Shogunai's like, yeah, I'm stuck in this Master Korin form for a bit because my power was sealed. So, uh, yeah, uh, give me the scroll back so I can just take back my normal form. Um, and uh, he says, you know, if I do that, I can change it back to your normal gender. And Matsuri's like, yeah, but then you're going to try and eat Suzu. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not interested in her anymore. And... Then he goes, come out, my minion, Tadare! And nothing happens. And so he's like, "Huh?" And uh, turns out that instead of going forward with the plan that the two Ayakashi hatched together, that instead the Ayakashi, who still has this body, was just like, oh, there's a freaking spirit medium somewhere nearby. I'll just go and eat that myself. And Matsuri realizes that and goes to find her. And there's this big... um, Hitatsume, I think, is what it is. And uh, there is somehow fan service while Matsuri is snatching Suzu away from danger. Not sure how they managed that, but they did. And then she just immediately kills it. So cool. And Suzu's like, even as a girl, he's really cool. Because, yep. So Matsuri's like, I guess I have no choice. And so the two of them go and talk to Suzu's weird friends. And they're, they introduce themselves to each other. And Yayoi, the girl who was like, Suzu, your thighs are great. She's like, oh my god, you're a tomboy with a huge rack. And Lou is like, you have so many post-worthy attributes. <laughs> Why are you friends with these two? Like, seriously. <laughs> so... Then Suzu's like, is this okay? Matsuri is a guy, but this isn't all that bad. And then they take the bus home from school, but this time they're sitting together. And Matsuri's like, aren't we sitting too close? And Suzu's like, it's not weird for girlfriends to sit like this. And then we see Shirogane's balls.
1: But not butthole. No, it's an odd choice. Uh, you know, bravery is a thing that is often neglected in manga. <laughs> Sometimes the cowardice of what you don't do speaks far more than anything else. Uh, look, so, not good. Uh, it's kind of what we expect. I I still think the action's pretty decent. Uh, the art's pretty good. It's just a shame so much of it has to be spin on upskirt shots, where you're just like, I mean, I get it, you're trying to make a series to appeal to 12-year-old boys, but... Who haven't figured out how to get around their, uh... Yeah, parental their, controls or parent whatever. Parental controls, yeah. So. But it's just one of those things where you're like, ah, man, when you're this talented in so many other ways, it's a... You know what, I'm not going to go there. If this is the thing you wants, go for it. I have zero interest in it, though
0: people are, in, are saying that we should actually keep this permanently chris
1: well hey we have to find out next week's when we decide we do three chapters so. and then yeah
0: well, the thing the thing that worries me is that i feel like this is going to stick around <laughs> because it may be stupid smut but it's well-drawn, stupid smut, which means the 12-year-old boys are going to love it, which means that they're going to respond positively, which means it's going to stick around. And we're running out of series there in the recap, Chris. They're going away, and we need to fill the gap somehow. And I'm worried,
1: Chris! So here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. No one knows what the fuck's about to happen, because everything that was easily predictable before is suddenly a lot less clear. So... Bone Collection did really well in the rankings this past week. Uh, Like in comparison to everything else, uh, Actage has been like up and down. You know, this week it was like number two or something like that. No one really knows. So who knows? You know, maybe it sticks around or it gets canceled. It's very hard to tell. I don't need it to stay around for long, Nick. I just need it to stay around until the first week of October, <laughs> and then it can be gone. Don't you mean, Booyakashi? <laughs> Akabuyashi Triangle? No,
0: are you can Try Boo-angle? Trying to actually think of the title for it, maybe somehow combine it with Bone Collection instead, so I don't know. <laughs> Did Speaking you say, col- Boo! collection is ready. This title page is the most garbage piece of artwork I've seen in
1: years. You're the first. It looks so bad. Remember the first time you saw the artwork for like the Squirrel Girl comic series, you're like, "Hold on, someone got paid for this?" Like it's You're like, "I guess some of us really love this because otherwise, who?" It looks so ugly, god. Chapter 8.
0: I want to be an exorcist. Ah, so they're talking with uh, Bae-chan, B- was that? Bae-chan, yes, that's what they call uh, the drunk demon guy after they have defeated him. And he actually gives his backstory and he explains that he's wearing the luchador mask because he has the most hideous face in all the yokai world. If I tried to approach anyone, they would run away. So I became a recluse living in a cave that way I wouldn't have to see anyone and only pyre would come over and drink with me and that made me happy. But then you went to the human world and that's when the great Tengu came to me. and the great Tengu said, "Would you like to become human and go to the human world? He made a deal with Makima Chris, so oh no! So um, he's not fully human still, but he has a human appearance similar to Pyra now. And so he got, but but he got afraid because he thought he was still hideous. So he became a recluse again. And of course he had to drink alcohol because that's how the Shuten Doji works. Uh, But I didn't want to go outside because, you know, then people would be afraid of how hideous I was. But then these kids showed up and the kids suddenly come storming in and they start beating up Kazami because they're like, you leave me alone and all that stuff. Um, and uh, Reno is with them, and she's useless because she's Reno. So, uh, the Shuja says, uh, or rather the kids say that, you know, when Beichan was about to die, he protected us when we were trying to run away, and there was this whole thing about like, I guess like some dad was abusing all three kids? I don't know. Uh, whenever the parents would come back, he'd use the earth only to protect them. So he's a yokai who protects humans, and that's... and. Bei chans like, and that's when they saw my face. I'd been called ugly in the yokai world, but the kids said I looked cool and brought me alcohol. How? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you this, this, know, kids just get no. alcohol and they gave it to the monster.
0: There is literally just, there's a single panel here where they say I had been called ugly in the yokai world, but these kids said I looked cool and brought me alcohol. We became friends and would play games. I was so happy. There are about two or three panels of, missing from this explanation to explain
1: how they got alcohol for this guy. So, you know what? Maybe there's an easy way. They come from very abusive households. Maybe they're just taking booze from their parents. Maybe their parents are abusive drunks.
0: I guess. I guess it's better if they go if they give it to him instead.
1: Nick, the fact that they're trying to be protected from abusive parents is a very important detail to this chapter that definitely isn't forgotten about by the end.
0: No. So, <laughs> Kazami hears this story, and he gets emotional and cries, question mark. There's some sort of fluid coming out of his face. I'm not sure if it's water. This is the ugliest piece of artwork I've seen since the title page.
1: Oh, no, uh, Slimer's escaping from his face. This was a <laughs> Ghostbusters crossover. <laughs> the demon is coming out of his
0: body. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So... Um, Pyra brings up like, you know, you say you look scary, but I've never actually seen your face before. So let me take your mask off. And she just rips it off his body. And oh, my God, he's beautiful. Question mark. So they're like, he's so handsome. Question mark. And, you know, basically, Bay Chan's like, no, handsome looks like this. And he someone's an earth only thing. And, and so they're like, oh, gotcha. I guess the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And then Baytown's like, yeah, Pyra, you're really ugly, but you're always optimistic and I respect you for that. So it's like, all right, that's actually a little bit funny that, you know, this girl who is considered to be hot enough for Kazami to drop everything in order to help out. um, He thinks she's ugly, but they're still friends. That's a little cute. Mm -hmm. So... Kazami is like, it's okay, Beichen, you'll be popular in the human world. If the yokai world's not working out for you, you can do a lot over here. And Pyro's like, yeah, you can stay in my castle. But then Akifuyu, or Abe, uh, she says, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, yokai and humans can't be together because yokai are evil. The law says we have to exterminate them on sight, and that's why exorcists exist. His punishment is death. This is the only way. And she summons her muscle form and holds a bladed arm to uh, up to uh, Chen, And she starts to strike. But Kazami rushes in and grabs the blade with both hands in order to stop it. And, he, you know, his blood goes all over the blade. And Kazami says, even an exorcist can tell if someone is good or bad. Yokai are here for a reason. Anyone can blindly kill. I don't think that's an exorcist's job. So Akifugi's like. So that's your answer. Okay. And she kind of comes out of the muscle form and like pats him on the head. And she's like, yeah, I won't, I won't kill him. I, 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 I needed to ask about the great Tengu and I wanted to give it. And, and I wanted to test Kazami. So, um, so she says shooting Doji though, is going to need to go back to the yokai world because other exorcists, are going to come after you if you stay here. So that settles that. Yep. And, I, and then Kazami's like, Let's play dodgeball. (laughs) And we had a lot of fun and kept playing until dawn. Reno was really competitive for some reason. After a morning full of goodbyes, Baychan went home. We sent him off with tears in our eyes. And and Baychan's like, thanks for playing with the kids, Kazami. And thus, the challenging assignment ended. And then the kids are gone. (laughs) Presumably
1: Um, the kids go back to their abusive households. (laughs) I don't (laughs) know. They don't follow up on that. (laughs) That's a really big detail to not mention. They were being protected.
0: Like Akifuyu, like afterwards they're like meeting up and they'll and she's like, Yeah, you yeah, so I decided to form my own unit, and they're all like wearing like, you know, the same uniform and stuff. And Akifuyu's like, Yeah, you guys are gonna be some my subordinates to carry out my secret missions. And there's not a single moment when she's like, I made sure to get good homes for those kids, or I went and smacked their parents around so that they would behave better. And it's like, No, we left them on the streets. They can go back to their to their abusive parents if they want, I guess. Whatever. They're not being attacked by a by a demon anymore. Not my problem. Them.
1: <laughs> like it really it was like yeah you know, those parents wanted to whoop those kids asses so bad only monsters chased them away from doing it and it sounds like maybe it took more than one time for that to happen and then they were just like and right, the monster has to go away now and it's like all right, all right well what? All right. Oh, good luck kids this is the real world you're living in <laughs> they're like what are you guys gonna do for us now like no, that's not our department if it's not fighting monsters exorcists are worthless goodbye <laughs>
0: We're just we're just psychopaths who like to kill sentient beings, man. Just, I don't know what to tell you. There's no serve and protect in our in our slogan.
1: It's so weird. It's it's actually a decent chapter until the point where they're like, you can't introduce that they have abusive parents and then not address what happens to the kids afterwards. Like you did know, this whole thing about Kazami being like. No, I I want him to have fun. I want him to be popular. I, I want to support this yokai, uh, and and we're gonna have this whole thing. We're gonna play with everybody. We're gonna give you a tearful. We're gonna let you say goodbye to all your friends at this great moment, and th- really let humans and yokai live together in harmony, like they always should be. And then at the end, he's just like, "Hey, good luck to you, kids. Right. <laughs> and that's all. Like ruffles their hair, and he's like, St- "Stay frosty, kiddos."
0: There's a panel where he's talking to Beichan as he's going back to the yokai world where he, you know, is just like, believe in yourself. And I just imagine like he does that when they're saying goodbye to the kids. It's like, but our parents are going to be, believe in yourself. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> so there's one more highlight basically in this chapter is they're talking about this stuff because, you know, Akifuyu's like, yeah, Kazami Empire, you're gonna be my subordinates from now on as part of my special unit. And Reno's like, what about me? And she's and Akifuyu just goes, Oh yeah, thanks for your hard work. It's Just like, bye. <laughs> That's it. Um, and they 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 part ways. And then Kazami's like, I want to play more dodgeball with friends, so I need to do better. And, Go away, kid. Go away. No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not your dad. <laughs> then there's an awkward moment where Pyra's like, "As a reward for your hard work, Kazami, I'll sleep by your side tonight." Because I was like, "You're gonna sleep with me!" And then it cuts to that night, and Kazami's in bed, and Pyra's on the opposite of the bed, but his father is standing vigil by sl- by lying in between them, so only Pyra is able to sleep because. Kazami's like, Ugh. and also Kazami's brother is there acting as a human clock. Yeah. Moving his arms like a clock and going tick, tick, tick. And he's wearing a sign around his neck that says, wake me up at 7am. Presumably instructions left by Pyra. But then there's just a bit of writing is from the author, I guess. That just points to him and says, isn't this too sad? See, Chris, when I make a joke, Mm -hmm. sometimes I just like to explain what makes the joke funny. In case nobody's paying attention when I tell the joke. So, for example, this is what we call uh, irony. It's okay. the fact that I'm...
1: <laughs> See, Nick, the humor is that sometimes the boo doesn't even fit in the word, but if you just push it in there, the fact this that I, boo sad? It's the fact that I didn't try at all that actually makes it easy. That's what makes it funny, is the lack of effort. <laughs> Which can honestly be used to describe 90% of my comedy.
0: So, yeah, I... The weird thing is for the most part, I do agree with your assessment that this was actually a pretty all right chapter, but there are just certain moments in this. They're like, all right, this series is fucking garbage. (laughs) So even a pretty good chapter is still like, well, that was bad. Yeah. Oh, fuck. All right. We're already running late. So I'm not going to go over this entire, uh, pilot chapter of Magu-chan, God of Destruction, because there's a lot that happens in this chapter. It's a pretty, like, detailed, moment-to-moment-to-moment story that unfolds in this. Uh, Chapter one of the series is called The Girl Ryu Miyanagi, and we basically learn the backstory of our main character, Magu, whose full name is Magu Menueku. And essentially, they're this tentacle demon thing kind of you know an old ones looking design who you know in the middle ages or whatever was summoned by a cult uh, in order to lay waste to the land they were sealed away by you know good knights uh, in the middle of his incarnation and sealed away in a large 20-sided die Yep. That is what it is. It's a 20-sided die. And I'm pretty damn sure that the nerd who wrote this did that on purpose. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> the 20-sided die ends up washing up on the beach uh, where a middle school girl named Ru- Ru uh is. And she's like, oh, cool. A jewel. I'm going to be fucking rich. And she, however... Uh, ends up cracking it open when she's digging it out. And this releases Magu Minuaku, who says, The seal has been broken! You are the one to disturb my slumber, foolish, lowly human! And he's this cute little squid guy, who is, like, a foot tall. And so, the rest of the story is Magu Minuaku, who Ruru calls Magu-chan because she can't pronounce the name, which is the most relatable thing in any series and jump this week that she can't remember the name. So she just calls him something else. Um, it, It doesn't really give a shit that he's like, I am a God who is above all humans. And which is an attitude that he maintains through the entire rest of the chapter, pretty much. And she's just like, okay, you're Magu-chan. I'm taking you home. And she basically adopts him as a pet, essentially. And he's like, if you bring me an offering, I shall destroy anything you desire. And she's like, I don't really want to destroy anything. And he's like blowing stuff up and she gets pissed at him and he's like slapping around and stuff. Um, There are a lot of jokes in this that I actually really, really like. Mm -hmm. I think this is a very funny series because – this is exactly my type of humor. Yeah. This whole, you know, this bizarre larger than life character who has, does not have the capability to block, to back up their massive personality. And also um, I think that a big part of it just comes down to uh, Christine Dashiell is the, is the person who translated the series. The exact word choices on some of this are so perfect in terms of, the way that Magu speaks, you know, stuff like, Our first order of business will be to regenerate this corporeal form. I demand provisions of flesh and blood. Bring forth an offering. That exact kind of attitude. And then Ru is just like, Okay, have some <laughs> Yeah. Just, it's such a wonderful contrast. And there is also a really nice heart to this because it, for, there is a bunch of, you know, just. Magu being a weirdo blowing stuff up when he blowing up the answering machine when he can't get it to to stop making noise, that kind of thing. But a typhoon comes through as well. And because Magu is so small and light, it starts to blow him out to sea when he's outside. Ruru comes across him and goes to save him, and... At first, Magu just thinks that she's come to get the uniform that is kind of like caught on to him and and caused him to be blown away. But instead, she just grabs hold of him and doesn't care about her uniform. And she's like, listen, you know, I came for you because, you know, friends are more important than any of that stuff. And Magu's like, you consider me a friend? Don't say something so silly. And then... uh. In a weird way, they connect in a way that gives Magu even greater strength than his entire cult ever gave him. And so he just uses his power to destroy the storm, which. Could have consequences <laughs> disrupting <laughs> the, the meteorology of the world. It's fine. Um, but uh, that's it. You know, Magu is um, still stuck in the situation where he depends on this one young girl for sustenance and being able to survive. And it ends with Rue seeing the hole that he blew in her wall and pet shaming him, which is amazing. And that's the situation we leave off on, on this with this middle squirrel girl and the God of destruction living together. So I'm really into this so far. And I really hope that the rest of the series can live up to this. So,
1: yeah, it's a really fun chapter. I really like the dynamic. I think she's a really good straight band character uh from the way it was like initially described you'd almost worry this could be something like an elmira from tiny toon situation where she's like oh it's so cute i love it i love it i love it but it's not anything like that she actually she does she's like a volleyball <laughs> yeah like she's pretty down to earth in it it's not like they don't try to make her a joke either but they do yeah, the part she's where a they of, she's a bit of a ditz but yeah but they give her the actual like Heart and depth that you need to kind of make a series like this work. So, this is a very promising first chapter.
0: Yeah, um, I look forward to more. And like I say, I really yeah. hope that, that that it just stays at this level because this is a really good introduction. And after like the first few pages and like seeing the original uh, artwork for the series, I was just like really worried we were just going to have just like a dumb gag series. And uh, it's not a gag series. There's like an actual consistency to the characters and storytelling and stuff that I really appreciate. So. All right. Let's move on to Mashal. Mashal. Oh, Cream Puffs. <laughs> I, was, I was like, is he not going to do it this time? All right. <laughs> Chapter twenty. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking ahead to what happens in this chapter. <laughs> Mash Vanded and the Masked Magic User. We meet said Masked Magic User who legit has basically like a luchador mask under their whole, you know, cloak thing. And they are confronting the gold coin uh, winner of Orchidorm, who is like, I am the Magma Master of Orcadorm, Rhodes Ames. And we just, he's like, Oh, you dare to confront me. We cut ahead to the end of the battle. And the masked magic user has like a bloody sword in their hand and Rhodes has been di- dispatched. And the the masked uh, magician, I guess we can call them, says, I heard rumors you were a fighter, a rarity for Orchidorm. It seems the rumors were just that as they walk away all badass. Oh, yeah. Then we get a brief recap of how MASH was drowned by the guy who transforms into a shark Uh and we just get a narration that just says previously mash drowns (laughs) (laughs) the guy who transforms into a shark is now diving into the water after mash is like the hunt begins. something zooms past them and of course immediately it's like oh (laughs) right (laughs) it's mash so the shark guy's like huh i don't see the mushroom guy anywhere and i feel like i just saw something swim by me really fast but i must have just imagined it and Mash swims by really fast, and the shark is like, Oh God, wait a minute, this is impossible. When I first cast my spell, I recall him saying he couldn't swim, and Mash swims by again and goes, <laughs> Which is translated as, It seems that I can
1: swim. <laughs> and that's it.
0: And he like bows and thanks to the shark, is like, Thank you for overcoming my fear. And the mage just goes, Ah, with his shark mouth. <laughs> and, and so Mash swims around him all super fast. You know, Ichigo going Bankai for the first time style. And the shark is like, has the hunter become the hunted?
1: He looks so sad like his mouth finally closes and he's like, mm. So <laughs> Like
0: fine, then I shall have to go all out. Sea shark evolution, and he's holding his one his liver. <laughs> and He's like in this form, it goes all gets all growing, and his teeth are bul- bulging out of his mouth, and his eyes are glowing black. No one can stop. And Mesh just goes a swimming punch into his stomach. <laughs>
1: The the- <laughs> they beat him <laughs> it's done it's
0: so fucking beautiful but that's just the first half of the chapter there's still more to it so <laughs> Lance and Mash are victorious they've got their opponents just laid out in front of them now and Mash is like well we've got this and Lance says yeah there goes the dramatic tension <laughs> <laughs>
1: Come on, I don't know how you don't love Mashal.
0: <laughs> but then, the masked magic user arrives standing behind the two of them and says, oh dear, are we being mocked? I'm hurt. And the two of them spin around to face him, but as they turn, suddenly he appears behind them again, next to the their opponent's bodies. And the masked magic user puts his hand over his face, and the Art style gets all fucking ominous and creepy looking as he says, you should reconsider your words. Lance tries to use his gravity magic on the guy, but nothing happens. He's like, I can't use my magic. What? Mash starts to get ready to use his muscle style. And the mass magic user is like, I'm only here for my allies. Mash dashes in to punch him. And says, well, your posture says you're out for blood. But as he actually punches, the guy just disappears again. And Mash is shocked. Um, Lance is trying to figure out if he teleported teleport or if he used magic at all. The mass Magic user says, I really am just here for my allies. But fret not, we'll meet again soon. And I think he gets them in a container, I think is what happens. It's I'm not really sure that they're gone now. And he's and he's leaving, just walks out the door of the barn. Mm -hmm. And so Lance says, like, well, I guess the crushing them will be worthwhile after all. Mash doesn't say anything. And then we catch up with the mass magic user outside and he touches his hand to his cheek where the mask has cracked. It Seems mash was able to land something on him after all. And he's like, huh? such speed and with no magic, then he is the same as me. (gasps) Bum-bum-bum. Mashal getting all ominous. Ooh. Interesting. This is really intriguing. I really like this chapter. There was the other, the the ridiculous comedy at the beginning, but then when things got serious, it was also really effective.
1: Oh, yeah. I dig it.
0: So a good chapter once again from Mashal, as we have come to expect from it. Now for confusion and (laughs) questionable storytelling choices, as we have come to expect
1: from Time Paradox Ghostwriter. Ding! Your plagiarism isn't ready. (gasps) (gasps) So, chapter
0: six. Stop! (laughs) Probably a little too loud. There was only one exclamation point, but (laughs) So, we get narration from Tepe saying that at 4.59 p.m. every Monday... It begins! Uh, the issue of Jump from the Future arrives. And he goes, My job is to take the future masterpiece, White Knight, and redraw it for today. And so he does this. And he reads it. He's like, Oh, wow. Oh, God. Itsuki I know is amazing. Yeah, it's, each chapter is unforgettable. And then he flips through the magazine and it says that, wow, White Knight's getting three straight issues with color pages after just 15 chapters. It must be scoring really high in reader surveys. Man, what a huge responsibility. And so he clutches the magazine. He's like, please let my version of White Knight find the same success. Otherwise, I'll carry this weight on my shoulders for the rest of my life. Yes, that's the only way you can avoid having this weight on your shoulders, Tepe. The only Mm -hmm. way. Um, Then we get basically a montage almost this is a this is a time-lapse chapter for the most part so we cut we drop in at certain points through the series so uh tebe's uh version of white Night begins serializing on august 31st of 2020 mark your calendars guys um fully expect to see to see that debuting uh the survey results are it's number one. So, yay, it worked. It all, it, it, all that effort that they put in was worth it. And all the delays and stuff. Then we cut to October and it's the sixth chapter has come out and the uh, editor comes in and says, we got second this time. So it's still really good. Um, but, and uh, then they hear like, oh, we've gotten offers to do an anime adaptation, which is like, oh, wow, that's really early, isn't it? And the editor's just like, well, yeah, I mean, some series get offers based on just the very first chapter, which makes sense. I mean, like if something has a very gri- gripping first chapter that seems like it would be a good idea for a story and would pull people in. Sure, you would do that for an anime.
1: So. Yeah, but just an offer too. it's not that's, yeah. you know, you want to throw that out there. Yeah, just a thing of like,
0: hey, are you interested in this so that we can lock it down before anyone else does? Yeah. yeah. So. Then we go to November, volume one is seeing the shells, quickly sells out. And so is like, it's, you know, very successful in this timeline. Not because of my art, though, because it's not as good as its keys. And so it's not as amazingly successful as the future white Knight, but you know, he sees some kids walking by and they're talking about it and stuff. And so he's got that on his mind. And he's like, I just have to keep on delivering white Knight to this new world. That's my responsibility. We get to December and, uh, we see Tepe eating with his assistants and his young, his younger, uh, hot blooded assistant guy whose name I don't, I don't remember his other assistants names. Okay. So, He says, like, you know, you're always eating, like, cheap instant cup ramen. Why don't you, like, buy something better? And Tebby's like, well, I like this stuff. Uh, the editor comes in, and he's like, I've got big news. Miss I know has been selected for a Tesco Award. And they're like, oh, wow, congratulations. You've been drawing something on your own this whole time. Amazing. And, you know, she's, you know, celebrating. She's like, yay. Uh, apparently, hot-blooded assistant guy got the runner-up position. And he's he's happy and also pissed. So Tepe congratulates them. Congratu- well, she, he congratulates. I know he should congratulate both of them anyway. Um, they go out to have Korean barbecue to celebrate and yeah, uh, they're eating together. Hooray. ba. ba. bah. bah, bah. Um, and uh, again, Tepe is just having like really cheap stuff. And he's like, I don't have the right to eat meat. And Jesus, man martyr complex god so um glasses assistant t- tall quiet assistant guy sits next to tepe and he's like hey you know one time i actually gave up on becoming a mangaka you know it was my dream as a kid and i won an award and i got published but i kept getting rejected at meetings and i didn't even know at, after, eventually what made a manga good or not and eventually i just couldn't draw anymore but uh right when i was going to give up i read your one shot and it was amazing it was new it was classic it was entertaining and i regained my sense for what makes a good manga and it got me to start drawing my own manga again and that's all thanks to you so i just wanted to thank you for that and i don't know what's bothering you right now but listen there are people out there who are like me who are being helped by this and tepe is like Thank you. I shall continue to bear this burden. (laughs) Anyway. So. um, Tepe thinks to himself. That was like. You know. I'm just doing this. Because it was my fault. That that I got in this position. But maybe. There's a meaning to this. A merit of its own. I mean. It'd be great. If you would. You know. Stop. Any, Whatever. Anyway. I imagine that that's the lesson. He has to learn. So I'm trying to be patient. Anyway. People pass out. Except for I know. And when Tepe wakes up, he sees that she's drawing and she's really focused on her work. He's like, oh, wow, she's drawing something, even though she just won that award. She's already on to the next thing. And he thinks about that intense, you know, dream that she has again. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I know. I wish there was a way that I could turn back time. I wish that I could tell her the entire truth of how it got this way. But if the shock of that revelation gives her any doubt about the idea of drawing manga, then it is possible she
1: might quit drawing altogether, so I can't tell her. I don't really follow you, (laughs) but okay. Well, I get his idea. He's like, hey, if I tell her all about this, do I run the risk of her being so stunned by... He's basically just like, I can't risk anything that would stop her from drawing manga. I can't influence her in any way because that would be worse. Almost kind of like a child. Like, he's like, I can't let this, this anything that would stop this from happening, I can't let it happen, you know?
0: It's really weird, and I think the idea is may- maybe that he's saying her view is that she and Tepe are two of a kind, and so if she learns that he got inspiration from some illegitimate source, then she might lose faith in herself because she sees herself and him in the same light.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe. But that's kind of poorly explained right here anyway um they end up talking for a bit and uh then uh he gives her like a sketchbook uh which is a nice little thing and um then uh tepe thinks to himself future issues of jump say that white knight was her debut series I don't know why it took her 10 years when she's already so talented, but I hope that in much less time than a decade, she draws something better than White Knight. And that way, her dream within a dream can come true. To draw a manga that entertains all of humanity. And then I know very b- bizarrely says Is drawing a weekly manga hard? You work for
1: him! You work for, him for You should know that! So,
0: but I guess that she means it more in the sense that he's been mentally fatigued around her a lot recently. Uh, So it's like, I I can't let her see the negative this getting to me, because then that might discourage her from being a mangaka. Uh, It's hard, but it's fun. So more time passes, more time passes, more time passes. And then Tepe sees, goes to the microwave. At 4.58 p.m. on a Monday in April of the next year. And he's like, soon it'll be one whole year since the fateful day. And the future jump White Knight is still a mega hit with an anime already announced. I don't know what the standards will be in 10 years, but right now that's roller coaster speed. And if the White Knight I'm drawing is capable of capturing readers as much as it does in the future, they'll probably announce an anime in about two and a half months. Tepe is contacted by his editor, uh, who congratulates him saying, we've greenlit a white knight anime and you know, it won't be announced for another year and the airing will be over a year and a half away. So Tebe like, well, that's a lot slower than the future white knight, but that's okay. This is enough. Even with my shitty art, I'm getting across a minimum of the original white knight charm to the readers. I, I can safely say that I can make this work. No matter what happens ahead, I'm going to draw white knight to the end by copying it. <laughs> then, he looks up at the clock and sees that it's now five minutes past five. And he's like, wait a minute. The copy of Weekly Shonen Jump should be sh- should have shown up on the dot by now. It's never been like this before. Where is it? And he just looks up at the melted figure of uh, uh, the robot that's melted into the microwave. So he's like, where is it? How can I copy a work that doesn't exist?
1: I want, like, the explanation to be that... Well, I don't want it. I just think it'd be amusing if the explanation's like, yeah, coronavirus came back, we had to cancel the magazine for a bit. You're (laughs) like, oh, it's a much darker explanation than what I was expecting. Also, has no one been to this dude's house and been like, yo, what the fuck's up with your microwave? Why is it, like, all melted and shit?
0: It's pretty weird, yeah. Dog, your
1: manga's super successful. Buy a new microwave. (laughs)
0: Um, it is getting kind of ridiculous to see Tepe's behavior because it's just like, dude, you're so weird. Like he's making things so hard on himself while acting like this is the noble thing to do when it's like you're actually doing something that like severely violates your own morals as an artist and a creator that you're just like, I have to keep copying this this manga. Like I know that if like in a weird way, this is like not an illegal activity because like, it's stealing an intellectual property from the future. Hence the copyright on it doesn't exist. But you know, it's something that he was horrified by when he first learned of it. And then he's like, but I have to keep doing it. And I know that the idea is going to eventually be that like, he has to, you know, learn that the, that it was with inside himself or something the whole time or what the fuck ever you know, stop treating this as like doing it for someone else's sake and do it for his own or some bullshit like that. But it's really weird the point that he's at right now, because it's not making him look good. And now we're at this point where he's like, what do I do when I can't copy? And it's like, fuck you, dude. You made so many ideas before they weren't good, but you had ideas.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I know some people are really kind of concerned about this chapter, because it's it's very sudden. Like, it's not unthinkable to think, hey, a series about manga that teleports, like, that, like, transports itself from the future every week. And suddenly, what happens when it ends? Like, obviously, that was kind of a thing on the table. But, you know, it's only chapter six. It feels kind of early. I feel like there's a lot of directions that we can go with this. Uh, maybe it's been a full year. So maybe what the microwave delivers is different. Uh, maybe what's going to happen is going to change. Maybe it's just a temporary blip, but he has to deal with a week of being like, holy shit, holy shit. What's going to happen if, if white knight doesn't keep showing up? Like there's a lot of directions I can go with this and I'm pretty interested to see any of them. I, I do agree that he's becoming kind of obnoxious of a main character. Uh, But I do like how the supporting cast are all pretty interesting. I like the little mo with the glasses editor who was just like, hey, man, I really thought about giving up. And after seeing your manga, I'm I'm devoted to it. So I do dig it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's weird because like there is this interesting dynamic surrounding him. And then when you see him in his private life, it's like you're kind of an asshole. (laughs) You're you're a real idiot about this. But I mean, uh, Honestly, the thing that I'm wondering is if it's just going to turn out like, yeah, unexpectedly, the magazine had to be delayed this week because, you know.
1: Yeah. Sharks in the building. Like, oh, no. That sounds bad. <laughs> it's just like the guy who's holding the wand. <laughs> <laughs> but I want his mouth to be closed because that's what he looks like. He's at his part. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk real quick about We Never Learned, Nick. Question 163. A pizza bet equals the of beauty of the literary forest. Part four. So, we've kind of read this chapter before, Nick. We've read this <laughs> chapter a lot. Uh, this was basically about how the girls are giving Yuega chocolate. Uh, we see Uruka gives him hers, and it's like, uh, it's platonic chocolate. Uh, Yuega sees the chocolate in Firmino's hand, and she's like, nope, this is chocolate for my dad. I can't give him this. And she walks down to the river, and she's like, ah, oh, I really can't do this. Ah, oh, this is so bad. Ah, oh, but I, I can't throw it into the river. And then a gust of wind flies by and knocks her chocolates into the river, and she starts apologizing to the river god and the food god. But she can't catch it because obviously she's, you know, she's hobbled. She's still recovering from her ankle, and she says, you know what? What does it even matter? I couldn't even give it to him anyway. And even if I had, would he have smiled like that? And then youiga fucking jumps into the river because he's a fucking goddamn saint <laughs> and he pulls out and he's like oh thank goodness the chocolates are wrapped in this plastic so they're fine what a relief I'm so glad your dad will get to enjoy these chocolates and you're Like, if an issue of shut and jump from the future
0: showed up in my microwave I would have told the police <laughs> right away <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what that means you wake but I'm very proud of you uh But he's so happy, he says it would be such a terrible shame if you made something this heartfelt for your dad and never got it. And she hugs him, and she says, those chocolates are for you. And she very quickly backs it up, and she's like, you know, they're platonic, they're platonic. But it's because you do everything for, you know, me so often. So I, I, I... but I can't give you chocolate that's been dropped in the river, so the river, so and then he just grabs one and it crunches really loud. It's a crunch, crunch. She's like, "Oh God,
0: don't eat those!" And it's the like, exact same thing that happened in the uh, other timeline version of this, where yeah. he crunches through it and it makes him bleed. So yeah, yeah
1: but yeah, it's that little sweet moment though of like, yeah, a little hard, but they're tasty. And you know what? I could tell that you put a lot of work into this, so thank you. <sighs> So Femino goes back to her place and says, How many times do I have to fall in love with the same person? And basically there's a moment where Uega finally is like, Oh hey, uh, how's your injury? So we had found out or we find out from this, like, that she went to the doctors and the doctor was like, In another week or two, you can get rid of the cast. And Femino's like, uh, 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 they said it's gonna take longer. And then she thinks, I'm sorry, but Can't we stay like this just a
0: little bit longer? Chris, is We Never Learn going to steal a storyline from Parks and Rec Season 1? Is that what's going to happen? Or is she just
1: delays getting the cast off because she likes being waited on? I legitimately, after I finished this chapter, I had to stop. And I was like, which part of Faminos arc were we on? And I legitimately was stunned when we were only on part four because I was like, I felt like we've read at least six chapters of this by this point. It blows my mind.
0: I... It's been weird to see things kind of like spin in a circle the way that they have. It's really weird to see the difference in these in these ending arcs that we've gotten. We've gotten... The actual one. And yes. then we've gotten the one with Ogata, which the the problem was that it was almost not at all about Yuiga and Ogata. But things were happening in it. Yeah. Th- things were going on. And then this one is like it's entirely about Fumino and Yuiga to the to the point that like you kind of forget that anyone else exists. And then it's just like how many times have we told this one chapter over and over <laughs>
1: It's it's stunning.
0: She's happy with him, but she feels guilty.
1: I feel like every chapter has ended with that thing of oh, "I wish we could stay like this just a little bit longer." And maybe that's intentional. You could echo it throughout this this arc. But this is definitely something where you're like, "I understand the idea." A one one volume one per well one well, no one volume per route basically. So you need like that's kind of what they're going for. But holy shit! If you don't have enough to fill a volume, don't do it. Because I've been digging Fumino's arc to this point, but this chapter was infuriating. Where you're like, I've seen this. I saw <laughs> this in the previous timeline, and I've seen it in the past three chapters. Uwega is very sweet, but if I we have five more chapters still to get through, I was like. At the end Look, of this. If
0: street, we were characters and we never learned, I'd want that boy too. He's yeah. clearly the best person around. <laughs> Obviously.
1: I mean, come on. But I was like, after I read this chapter, I was like, oh, so like, we must be on like chapter six. So chapter seven, she's going to like, it, it'll end with her kind of confessing. Chapter eight will be resolution. And then chapter nine will be like that. And I, don't know, I get to the end, I'm like, chapter four. Holy shit. We're not even halfway through this. <laughs> Fuck me.
0: Ugh. Uh. <sighs> It's okay, Chris. We're, we're we'll we'll get th- we'll get there, and then we'll get to the next disappointing story arc, and then the next disappointing story.
1: I don't know <laughs> if the assuming one can be bad in my mind because I like her so much. She's, but, she's man. too cool.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Doctor Stone, time to get stoned. Z equals one hundred and fifty-five. Science is elegant. Oh no, Henderson showed up in, in Doctor Stone. What's he doing here? So. <laughs> Dr. Zeno is monologuing. Yeah, I think he's monologuing. I don't think he's talking to anyone. I don't think he's actually. I know that, like, Gen is there, but I don't think he's talking to Gen. But he's just like, yes, indeed, sniping is the most elegant, scientific way to do battle. We avoid messy confrontation, eliminate only the key target in short order, thereby bringing an end to the war while incurring the fewest casualties. And then, of course, we just see Stan. He's still up in his tree perch. He's keeping an eye on Luna as she's going around the deck of the Perseus, trying to figure out where Dr. Taiju is so that she can point him out to Stan, and Stan can, t- can eliminate his target. So Meanwhile, the other two guys are talking about Luna and they're, you know, thinking about like, so she's got to bring the target onto the deck. And until then, we're just going to wait. And that's why we've got all the water bottles so that we can, like, just stand here without being folk without losing focus. Oof. And Stan is just, you know, quietly, calmly waiting. Uh, we see the journalist girl try to actually reach out to Dr. Zeno to just be like. We're trying to go do a good thing. We were hoping you would cooperate. Look, we're not going to be your minions, but we're open to talking about this. And Ginro kind of pokes his head in and is like, "Can the enemy hear what you're saying?" Was like, "Well, they're broadcasting openly." And she's just like, "I figure it's worth a try." <laughs> it's it's kind of sweet in a way, <laughs> but of course, they talk about like we don't know what kind of person Doctor Zeno is, though. So, so Senku says. We need to extract intel about him from this Luna girl. And Luna, of course, is walking around the deck. And she's like, my mission is to identify the science leader, Dr. Taiju, and get him onto the deck. There sure are a lot of people here. This is going to be difficult. No, no, I'm fine. I'm Luna, the smoothest operator. Luna, the capable girl. That's like her arc words. She keeps on saying them. She says them, I think, until like four times between this chapter and the previous one. Anyway. So she's like, I'll use my profiling skills, and then she like makes like an adjusting glasses motion, but she's not wearing glasses. So I don't know if that's just like a goof of hers, or if she's actually like used to wearing glasses. That'd be a nice I think, detail. I, I
1: think that's a little thing that she's supposed to wear glasses, and but they don't have them because of uh, yeah yeah. would be a nice. It's, it's also it's also a tease about like oh she has a, a profile skill set that that seems Mm -hmm. like something that's very useful and that some characterization.
0: She's also, there's also a little bit of an implication in this chapter that she's more naive than she kind of seems to think about herself. So, but anyway, she, she, she thinks to herself like, all right, well, let's think about what kind of person this, this Dr. Taiju is. He uses his wisdom to lead these kids who are the same age as me. He built up their science from the stone world. He's got to be really intelligent and hardworking with convictions to match. Oh, my God, he's totally my type. But... Uh... <laughs> She's, you know, looking around as she's trying to, you know, like gather herself and be like, is it this one? No, because it's Yo. No, it's not Magma. Well, maybe he won't reveal himself at all to an outsider like me. So I better be prepared for a long, drawn out battle if I want to find Dr. Taiju. And then Yuzuriya just like (laughs) sticks her out. It's like, Taiju, can you come over here? (laughs) Immediately Taiju answers. And of course, Taiju's this big, happy dope. And she's like. That's not what I imagined he would look like <laughs> at all, but okay. <laughs> uh, but she's like, anyone else might have missed that Dr. Taiju completely, <laughs> he just like is like, that's me, Taiju! That's my name, I'm Taiju. Taiju's <laughs> me, I'm Taiju. Nice to meet you, I'm Taiju. <laughs> so She's like, all right, well, the doctor probably focuses on science-y stuff all the time, so he won't just stroll around outside. So how do I lure him onto the deck Is the titers like, I'm back on the deck! She's <laughs> running around. So she's like, all right, well, all I have to do is just point him out, and that's it. But before she can even think about doing so, Senku approaches her, and Senku's got beachy Sparkle all around his face and everyone's like this is really unsettling seeing him trying to be charming well I guess he's going to try and take his time and ask about Dr. Zeno in a really roundabout way so he can you know very subtly get information out of her and of course he's just like tell me everything you know about Dr. Zeno please and that's <laughs> immediately <laughs> there are a lot of ridiculous reaction faces on these three pages where all this stuff is going on by the way so some of them are very good so Ryusui suddenly goes over to Senku and before Senku can get any of that, and it's just like Francois wants to make our guest feel welcome. And Francois says, we need the young lady to open her heart to us. So please make use of Bar Francois. And so they don't know really anything about exactly what Luda's into, but they can try and make a guess. And Ryusui's like... Let's make the last thing that anyone would say they'd hate ice cream, and then it turns out Luna's lactose intolerant, and so they they kill everyone. The end.
1: So it's <laughs> not like ice cream. Not like ice cream. That's weird. I must not have finished this chapter. <laughs> yeah, I'm just done.
0: You yeah, it was a crazy final chapter. But you know, a lot of stuff is ending right now. So wow, man, well, I guess some. so. I guess going on a high note. <laughs> So, they make ice cream. This takes several pages. And they make soft serve ice cream. And wouldn't you know it, Luna tries the ice cream. And it's just like when Homura tried the cotton candy. Who could have seen this this coming? An attractive, uh, antagonistic woman is introduced. And right away, she is given a sweet treat that she eats in a vaguely sexual manner. And it's the most amazing thing ever. Anyway. Uh, but Luna is, wants to know, like, how did you make vanilla with that stuff. And Senku just says, well, there's always a workaround for whatever we're lacking. And humans have been preserving like that for 2 million years, getting to the root of the raw elements that make up this world of ours helps us create stuff. We have got no business of having, and that's the sweet side of organic chemistry. So Luna is, you know, kind of has a little bit of a Doki Doki moment. And then she's like, no, I'm into intellectual types. (laughs) So, um, she's like, well, yeah, you did a good job. And to borrow Zeno's favorite word, it's really elegant. And Senku is shocked when he hears this. And he just says, is Dr. Zeno a former NASA scientist? And Moon is shocked when he surmises this. Uh, and they're all like, oh, who is he? And Senku says, when I started making rockets, Dr. Zeno was my science mentor. Ooh. So there's a con- there's a connection between them somehow, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, I know that this is kind of a bit of a cliche in terms of like, oh, so of course, you know, like someone who could have been alive at the time that Senku was around and was uh, ha- also into science. Of course, there's some connection between he and Senku that, th- that exists prior to this. But... There's a reason why that is a cliche, which is that it's more narratively interesting than if they're just strangers every single time that they go up against someone. This is a nice way of differentiating this from uh, the previous arcs that we've had. So, yep, I could dig it. So pretty fun, pretty, pretty good chapter uh, overall, uh, especially in comparison to some of the shit that we've
1: talked about already. So speaking of mission, you is a cool family. Pew Pew, I'm boring. Oh, God! Chapter
0: fucking 40. (sighs) Or Mission 40. That's what they call them. Capturing Kengo. So Kengo is the disguised sibling, the most infuriating sibling to have stories about next to Kyoichiro, as has been cemented in this chapter, where Matsuri's trying to... uh, Mutsumi, sorry, not Matsuri. Uh, That's the uh, Ayakashi Triangle person. Mutsumi is trying to do paperwork... And there's a bit of paperwork that she needs from Kengo because there is a mission report missing documentation. So they go into Kengo's room. Kengo's naked for some reason. And they're like, put on some clothes. We need this paperwork done. And Kengo's like, no, I don't like doing work. And so Kengo uses all of his disguise abilities and is running around the mansion to evade everything. So Mutsumi does a total lockdown of the mansion so that they can seal him off so that they can find him. And so they go around the place. They go into each of the siblings' different rooms. Keoichiro is... Uh, they go into Musumi's room first. They see that there is like a drawing she made as a kid and Kyoichiro is like all demonic and stuff because, you know, duh. Uh, they go to see Shion and Shion is doing one of her hacking things while using like the Wii Fit pad. But she's upside down on it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, they go and they see uh, the, the the gun brother and he's in a tank. OK, they go to see Ma- they go to see now and now is and uh, and uh, uh, now is like, yeah, if he came in here, uh, he would be dead. So, <laughs> oh, uh, it's not in Futaba's room. They go into Keiichiro's room. There's portraits of Mutsumi fucking everywhere. Can you believe that? And then Mutsumi's like, anyway, he's not here. Let's go. Uh, and then they're like, all right, well, let's think about this. Kengo can't escape while the hibernation mode is active, and he hates boredom even more than he hates work. So he'll get bored of hiding pretty quickly. Any minute now, he's going to do something stupid. And at that moment, Kengo emerges from like this Mona Lisa style painting that he's disguised as, starts running around. Tayo chases him around a corner, there is a scuffle, and then Tayo's like, ah oh, yeah, he threw the frame at me and then dove into this secret passage. Musumi gets upset because she's like, Oh, this secret passage isn't on any of the blueprints, so maybe Kengo made an escape route for himself. This sucks. And she throws a fit and she deactivates the hibernation on the on the on the mansion. Tayo's like, Well, I guess we'll just have to look for the documents by ourselves. And the Musumi's like, Yes, thank you, Kengo. And she slaps handcuffs on him and she's like, I win. See, I knew that you couldn't escape the mansion while hibernation was active. So that was why you needed to trick me into deactivating it. So you lure Ty over here and then just put him away somewhere and disguise yourself as him so that you could get me to deactivate and then run away. Oh, and by the way, when Ty opens the door, he always lets me through. He never goes first. So. You need to be more observant of us as a married couple. Set my set my husband free. They do so. They go to do the paperwork and stuff. Turns out uh, they vandalized one of Koitro's portraits of Mutsumi. The end.
1: All right, cool. Let's talk about Black Clover next. Let's do that. <laughs> Black Clover page two fifty four. Power differential. So last time, hey Nero showed up and she sealed Metascula before the demon could fully take over Verica. Uh,
0: on Chris. Can you say all of what you just said, but say it from a first-person perspective? So not, Sekre did this, but I did this.
1: I sealed Meleskula's power away before she could fully take over Verica.
0: Because, no, see, I have a thing that makes it so that it bounces off of
1: me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no! Uh, so she tries to do that. <laughs> basically. <laughs> And Laura is like, finally, it's all over. The curse will be broken. She opens, like, I guess her gown had, like, a, a belly window in it. So she <laughs> opens up her gown, and she sees that the mark is still there. And then Verica starts laughing. She's like, ha, ha, ha. But it's not Verica. It's Melascula. And she says, humans are truly intriguing. Their powers are inferior to us, but sometimes you cast spells that go beyond our expectations and the ceiling is reversed on to Sekre and binds her up. And they're like, Oh no. And then the, like the shooting out of the magic destroys the big water sphere that's holding them in. And it's like dark rain is falling out on everybody. And, uh, Noelle has basically been beached. She's a mermaid on land now, or like an inch of water, maybe. Uh, how could this, uh, how could turning myself into half-fish have had any any consequences to it? <gasps> Why did I give myself kills? <gasps> <laughs> uh, so Melescoula is basically bragging. She's like, yeah, you very nearly sealed all of my powers. Marvelous. But, you know, all this does is make me want to, play with you even more. So it's kind of, I guess it's Meluscula and Verica at the same time. or Mary Verica is just influencing her a little bit more.
0: Well, uh, there are times where she's like talking in both their voices.
1: So. uh, So Laura Pachika's like, what happened? This should have worked. And she's like, well, I have a warding magic. It's called the Cane Ward. The Cane and it activated at 70%. Just a small amount and that's all that was needed to break your spell. And this was kind of a good experiment to show exactly how effective it was. So Farrak is like, hey, don't get in the way. I want to have the fun, right? And uh, Undine's kind of getting fucked up with like decaying poison, basically. And Vela School is like, cool, I can poison water spirits as well. That was also a good experiment. So that's what happens when you curse it. And Laura Pachika is uh, pretty horrified because that's her friend who's always been with her and she's slowly dying. So she just breaks down and starts screaming. And
0: well, and also being close to middle at this point is making the curse in her belly also yeah. get react. So,
1: yeah, but Verica basically is like, oh, you're not interesting anymore because mm-hmm. you don't have anything left. You've been broken. Oh, this is boring. All right, I'm going to kill you now. And then Noelle gets up. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. is like, hey, I already beat you already. It doesn't matter. Without her magic, you're not anything anyway. And, she, you know, Noelle jumps at her. She shoots a whole bunch of little beams at her. And she's like, see, there's too much of a power differential here. I can't even get into this. And then Noelle shoots straight past him. And she says, power differentials have nothing to do with it. What you're doing should never be uh, forgiven. And there's like a little text bubble saying, like, she used her Valkyrie armor and barely, just barely managed to avoid having any wounds and manages to what looks like lay a very striking blow, but it's only in silhouette. So who knows?
0: Yeah. She just kind of, she just kind of goes, you know, tucks her arm around it like a stage play thing. Yeah. She's like, like, oh, like, you got me. Oh, I caught it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, this is kind of the thing that you see in a lot of Shonen where it's just like, we did the thing. And then someone just says, like, actually, I had a thing to get rid of the thing. You know, it's it's, you know, general one upsmanship that has just happens in this kind of thing. And sometimes it gets kind of silly. And in this case, it did kind of get me like, we sealed her magic. And she's just like, no, you didn't. <laughs> That's it. it was just kind of weird. Um the Especially the exact, like, oh, we totally got her. We sealed her magic away. And she's like, no, I had a spell that stops that. All right, fine. <laughs> but,
1: I, guess, uh, I guess. Just arms crossed. Yeah.
0: Uh, and, you know, then Noel just doing a very Asta thing is like, okay, whatever. So. But I do appreciate, I actually do think that uh, the Vaniga Met look where she's, you know, got her face divided and sometimes she's talking as one and sometimes as the other because that's the extent to which the devil has manifested in her is a pretty nice touch. So, Mm -hmm. all right. One piece, chapter 983, Thunder. 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 Pound is being reunited with his family. Isn't that nice? Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of jumping around uh, Wano at the beginning of this chapter, checking to see this is where uh, Perospero is. Um, It seems as though he's the only one (laughs) by himself now because he's like on a wave of his like candy and it doesn't seem like any of the big mom pirates are around him. He's just, you know, riding around on that while he's talking to himself about getting revenge. Um, chopper and Usopp are still on the tank on the pathway and they've managed to they, they're they've gotten away from big mom because she ran off towards nami's group because of course prometheus called out to her in the previous chapter and the tank is on legs now and i love that they just mentioned like when she punched the tank it hit a weird transformation <laughs> switch
1: yeah <that laughs> it sounds was, about right did on purpose <laughs>
0: So they're running around out there. A big mom is running around trying to find uh Nami, as Prometheus is calling over to her, like, They're right here. Um and then they mention because Nami says, like, You said that you spotted Sanji earlier and you know he could really help us out right now. And Carrot's like, Yeah, but he just said, I'm not giving up on finding ladies, and then ran off. Sanji's so there's a reason why Sanji's not one of the best characters in one piece.
1: <laughs> the reason why I didn't make S tier. He,
0: he has a very fatal flaw. So, and, uh, as big mom is running after them, she's also just giving life to various objects in the hallway around her. It was a cool touch. Uh, Momonosuke has been trussed up on a cross for his execution, which Orochi is very pleased with. Uh, Zoro is confronting some gifters, uh, and there's a lot of them. Uh, Kid and Killer are also confronting some and they are dis- and uh the people who are confronting Kid and Killer are suddenly distracted by a commotion nearby where someone is calling out to someone saying Master Kaido is looking for you and uh Kid makes them pay for it by just <laughs> crushing them with his big ass metal hand Luffy uh of course is right where page 1 and uh Ulti Ulti yeah uh Ulti are. and Ulti is glomping, literally, uh, uh, page one, because, you know, she made him fall down the stairs. And she's like, are you all right? How dare you do this to him? And Luffy's like, you're the one who used him to ski down the stairs.
1: Fair <laughs> point. <right>. Fair point. <laughs> completely correct. You know what? So- you got me there. I also
0: like that page one's like, how dare you? Who's your commanding officer? Like, no, he's a, he's an intruder. He's <laughs> just to me like, I'm Luffy. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he's fucking Luffy. Of course he says that. <laughs> so page one, uh, re- not page one old C responds to his declaration. That he's going to be King of the Pirates by saying, well, the King of the Pirates has got to be master Kaido, you ultra buffoon. And she launches herself up in the air and fucking headbutts him. And there's this awesome fucking image of them just butting heads together as electricity surges between them. And there's a fucking explosion as a result of this. And they go, everyone goes flying and they're like, oh my god, freaking Luffy's skull must be pulverized. But uh, Page One realizes something, and Ulti realizes something, and they both start to transform. And Page One takes his his dinosaur form, and Ulti reveals her dragon fruit ability. The dragon dragon fruit Pachycephalosaurus model, hence the head butting. So ooh, nice touch. Yep. So um Everyone's like, why are you transforming? And she's like, because we know that this one is dangerous, you idiots. But everyone's like, but we split his skull open. Then where's the harky coming from, you idiots? <laughs> and so Luffy's just like, ah, oh, you rang my bell. <laughs> so oh, I fucking love this. Luffy jumps forward, dives over Ulti's head, grabs her by her horns, and fucking guillotine throws her (laughs) into the fucking ground. (laughs) Just flips her over. And then he punches page one in the fucking jaw with his elephant gun. Ulti reacts by going full dinosaur and going to give Luffy a really big headbutt while she's pinning him to the ground. And Luffy can't break free, so he starts to go into gear four so they can do something. But he realizes something is about to happen. And a masked figure suddenly smashes Ulti with a club, shouting Thunder Bagua. And Ulti seemingly is down for the count. Her pupils go go wide and she falls over. And the person wearing the Oni mask that attacked her uh, turns around while people go, Master Yamato, what are you doing? Why are you attacking her? Oh, don't let him escape because we've got to, we're chasing him on Master Kaido's orders. And Yamato reaches out over to Luffy and says, you're Straw Hat Luffy, right? And he just grabs him, puts him under his arm, and starts running away. And he says, I'm sorry, I don't mean to you any harm. And Luffy's like, well, I don't sense any hostility from you, but I'm kind of in a hurry. But Yamato says, I've been waiting for you. Waiting for a very long time. My name is Yamato. I'm Kaido's
1: son. Ooh. Interesting. Now, uh, there are like seven twists already in the Wano arc. And this is kind of like the next one on the list. It's like, all right,
0: let's get to it. Another (laughs) character to learn about (laughs) before
1: we get through this. I do like the touches. I like that he uses the same weapon as Kaido. I think that might even be the same move that Kaido used to beat Luffy way back at the start of all this. Uh, and I do like, I mean, it, it seemed obvious we were going to get a character called Yamato at some point in this <laughs> arc that people have pointing out. They're like, I feel like Oda's just been looking for every excuse to use every Japanese kind of thing. Like, have Big Mom show up so she can make a bunch of, like, little, like, you know, yokai monsters. I forget the specific term for them, but it's like, yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, but I do like o- uh, Ulti's little display here. I like the showcase of her devil fruit. It does make me kind of wonder what the other members' Devil Fruits are. I assume they're all dinosaurs. That seems like that's the theme that's mm-hmm. running between them. We already know that X-Drake has one, and uh, that King and Queen both have one. I think Jack does, too. I think he's a mammoth, I, I want to say. Uh, so it's like, okay, what do the other members of that group have? So yeah, I'm kind of curious.
0: prehistoric animals of the Animal Kingdom Pyres are we going to see? It's so like,
1: so. I assume Sabretooth Tiger's in there. I assume... I would assume Triceratops in there. Mm-hmm. The one that confused me is Black Maria, because she's so big. Mm-hmm. My mind's but, maybe but Queen's saying,
0: already the Brachiosaurus
1: thing. Yeah, so. my mind's saying... She might be that little poison dinosaur from Jurassic Park that I don't think is real. <laughs> the one with the neck frill. <laughs> Yeah, the one that I don't think was a real dinosaur. Well, there were a lot no, of them that weren't real dinosaurs, but... I'm pretty sure that it was a
0: consolidation of several dinosaurs, yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> Um yeah, so this was a, an exciting chapter, a cool uh, sh- very short but very cool little fight scene and yeah, a big a big thing of like oh, so the guy the Kaido's Kaido's son that they're chasing around and stuff, he apparently wants to yeah, do something to help Luffy, which is a nice little twist. But yeah, I do I do agree with you that it's like it is getting cut to the point where it's like this is getting kind of exhausting, but yeah. I think that this was a big enough one that I was that I wasn't bothered by it. Mm-hmm. So Alright, let's talk about our favorites for this week. Favorite series and MVP, because we are done.
1: Uh, So my my MVP, I'm going to say first, my MVP was Makima, and I don't think anyone's going to have any qualms or concerns about that. But? But, my chapter of the week is Black Clover. I, that's okay. I um, really, really liked Black Clover this week. It, it was kind of dumb, but it really, really fucking wanted me over i really enjoyed that chapter okay i mean i can kind of see it
0: yeah all right Uh, i'm going to partially echo you and say that yeah makima is my character of the week uh, my mvp because duh (laughs) 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 that's the massive revelation about her yeah um, I think that I'm going to make Magu-chan my my, I my favorite it. chapter of the week. Uh, I it was it really took me off guard in how much I immediately loved it. Uh, so, and I don't think that any series surprised me more this week uh, in terms of how much I enjoyed it. So,
1: yeah. All, all right. right. The audience, by audience. the way, picked Chainsaw Man as their chapter of the week and Maguchan as the MVP this week, which I totally get. Aww.
0: Bring me a sacrifice. <laughs> uh so that is gonna do it, guys, for weekly manga recap. We wanna thank you for joining us for the stream here on twitch.tv slash T where we record the show sometime between seven and eight Eastern on Wednesday nights. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter to stay updated on when exactly the show is going to start, at the our podcast for the official the official podcast account, and your host at RoloT at Nick F Time. Check out our past episodes at weeklymongerecap.podbean.com and you can also subscribe subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, Be sure to send us feedback and ask us questions for Q&A episodes. Suggest future manga for us to read. You can do that uh, via email, yahoo.com, or you can also just go on the Discord server where you can find various different ways of uh, talking with the community. You can go on the... Uh, Google Docs that is maintained by Ninja X3i where there is all sorts of stuff that has to do with community interaction and that's how we know who the favorite character and the best series each week and such are. So there's all that. Special thanks also go out to Steve Manor, a artist, to Infamous Planet for creating the framework for the stream on uh, Twitch. And uh, the opening sequence is by Milo My- Jack Stillitz and Winslet El Cheddar. Thank you guys. That's everything.
1: All right. That's good. Do it, guys. We'll catch you next time right here on Weekly Manga Recap.
0: That's right.